Yo, yo, this is Treasy from the Kind of Movie Critics Podcast, man. And this episode is brought to you in support by Brooklyn Tea. Whether you're relaxing, enjoying a warm cup of tea in your living room while you watch that Spike Lee joint, or you're out and about sharing a pot of tea with your loved ones, man, Brooklyn Tea got you covered all social occasions. Try one of their 60 tea offerings, including my favorite, the Vanilla Rooibos, which is a sweet, subtle blend of vanilla, almonds, and rooibos. And if you don't know, Rooibos is a South African red super tea with superior antioxidant levels. But if you prefer the classics, like Matcha or Earl Grey, they got you covered too on those, okay? So for our worldwide listeners, you can shop with Brooklyn Tea at brooklyntea.com. Or if you happen to be in New York, man, make sure you go visit their storefront, 524 Nostrand Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. And to learn more about them, you can just follow them on social media at Brooklyn Tea. Let's start the show. Please be advised, the Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, Streezy. Hey, this is Corey. It's Martin the Mailman. It's Jesse T. It's your man Chandler. And I'm Young Leezy. Yo, kind of movie critics. Fully staffed, full employment. Hey. You know, like the like forty five say he he does good with uh he has the best un I have the best unemployment rate in the, ever in the United States ever. Nobody knows more about unemployment yeah, rates than him. A lot of people are deployed. Yeah. yeah, that guy's for the crazy. listeners at home. Treasy was just doing a lot of really good hand work with that impression <laughs> that's not coming through your speakers. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. actually did look like a, a chubby Spike Lee when you were making that face. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. And I, I just watched that interview. I watched it earlier. No, I watched it yesterday. The interview. The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, the roundtable for Hollywood Reporter. Awesome. Yo, I was blown away. Did you hear when Spike asked uh, um, Alfonso Coran about that last scene, that, mm-hmm. that beach scene? Yeah. Did you hear that motherfucker's answer, bro? Yeah, yeah. he was like, the movie would have just ended a different way if we didn't get and it. And if they died, they no, died. Yeah, he yeah. sounded like Drake. Yeah. Yeah. If, <laughs> if, if they died, they were like, yo, do you have a lifeguard on set? He was like, Lifeguard. He, he was no, like, no, he, and he was like, and the beard was rickety, and you know, it just would have ended a different way. It just would have ended a different way if they, if, if a different ending. We you, shot it chronologically. You know? know what made like, which was interesting to me though, um, it it made it put something in perspective for me when they were asking people about like who they would like to meet, and somebody said a name, and then Spike was like, oh, I met him, and someone else said a name. He was like, oh, I yeah. met him too. And he said Fellini. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, what were they like? He was like, how did that happen? He's like, I called them up. And and they were like, do you feel like you can just call people? And he was like, at a certain point in my career. And I was just like, yo, that's why he reached out to us. Because Spike's like, if I want to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, that shit crazy. He said every time I go, it was a point where every time he went to Italy, like for Can, I guess, he would just call up homie and just hang out with him and shit. What, with Fellini? With Fellini, yeah. That's dope. Lestrada's like one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah? yeah? Never seen it. That's crazy. I mean, I can't explain. I mean, it's it's it doesn't age well, but it's it's kind of about this woman who uh, joins this guy who's in like a traveling carnival, and he's like a really messed up guy. Uh, it's it's really sad, but oh. it's in black and white. Is it is it any any sort of like um, is is anything about it like where uh, where's that movie that had um, Ryan Gosling in it? The Place Beyond the Pines is what's it called? Oh, I, I didn't see that movie. I don't think is that the one where he's on a motorcycle robbing yeah. people. I believe. Yeah, I mean, kind of. He he was like a stunt motorcycle driver that, but he like drove for like the carnival. You know, oh, the people okay. that be like in the 
in the circles, the globes, and they go around. Oh, the white yeah. guys at the Soul Circus. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all pull their helmets off, and everybody was like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to clap for the white guys. Yeah. <laughs> he did that. Oh, and then, eight and a half uh, Fellini? Yeah, eight. Oh, that's, okay. that's Fellini. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, thought, I was like, that sounds super familiar. Okay. I don't know if it was out of the bicycle thief. But that oh, no. Nah, that's all like Italian neo realism, mm-hmm. like films that were like in black and white shot mm-hmm. after like World War II, where Italy was like a very sad place. I love the bicycle thief. <laughs> I, still, I can watch that oh, yeah. movie like anytime. It's really sad, but it's a good movie. Yeah, it is. Nice. So, yeah, man, we 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 got Jesse T in the house, man. Jesse, man, I feel like you owe the people an explanation of where the hell you've been, bro. All right. Well, I feel like I wasn't really watching a lot of movies. Um, I felt like I like because I've been battling like writing scripts and stuff, trying to get right. my first feature uh, script done, which I finally did. But I was research researching a lot into like history watching like just hard history documentary stuff on youtube and right. stuff just trying to look for i guess like sources of things that i can kind of base stories off of in the future because i feel like when i'm watching movies i see something that i really like and then i start developing a story and it's so similar to the story that i've already seen it, it doesn't feel like it's original enough mm. so i think grabbing from from those older um historical moments and stuff like that and also um not so much focusing on watching new movies, but watching older movies that I really liked growing up and really trying to dissect them and break them apart and analyze them in a different way. Cause I feel like I'm watching movies differently than I used to. Mm. Right. So, and then I, I just felt like there were a lot of movies that were coming out that I just didn't want to see. You weren't engaged in. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's exactly why we took a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we thought you didn't fuck with us for a minute. So, no, I mean, I missed you guys. And that's why I was like, damn, I got to come back. Yeah. I miss y'all. So I, I I guess you ain't heard the episodes. I was talking. Oh, I shit. heard you talk some shit. <laughs> so I, was like, I was like, couple of fuck Jesse T's <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah. We've all no. perfected like how to imitate your voice too. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> fuck yeah. Nah, we love you though, bro. <laughs> Glad to have you back. Um, so uh, what what's everybody been watching, man? Anything kind of jump up at y'all's throats since last time we talked? I've been binging uh you on Netflix. Oh, I watched that too. You. Yeah, I haven't heard of it's it. It's about What's this guy who meets this girl, and he's the he's the he's the protagonist, but he's a stalker, and mm. he's like a stalker, psycho killer dude. Oh. But like you're rooting for him. It's weird. Oh, yeah. Martin, was that the one you were telling me about last, like two weeks ago? It was kind of like Barry, or no, that's um Patriot oh, on okay. Amazon. It's a little bit like Dexter. Yeah, it feels oh. like Dexter, but I didn't realize that it was actually produced for Netflix. Apparently, Netflix dropped it and. Um, not Netflix, Lifetime. Lifetime dropped it and then Netflix picked it up. Mm. Mm. Lifetime. Lifetime? What the lifetime? fuck? Lifetime doing dropping shit. Yeah. Lifetime need content. Yeah. And this they, is a pretty good really, show. They, I wonder they why. Got they got some balls dropping something. Well, it says Netflix, <laughs> it <laughs> said Netflix original. <laughs> yeah. it, it said Netflix original, but when I was watching it, it definitely had commercial breaks. So I was just like, okay. I hate when you watch TV shows and you could tell there's the break because it's like, it'll be like this dramatic moment. And then it picks it, back up. Just, yeah. Cuts, phase the black, black. (laughs) or it just cuts, and then the next scene is like so much dramatically lighter. Yeah, (laughs) it's like oh, there was a commercial. Yeah, and I was watching it, and I I noticed they didn't say any big cuss words, even though there was lots of sex. So Mm. yeah, apparently they did that, which kind of makes me mad because I feel like they should have picked up Underground from WGN, but whatever, they didn't. So Uh, it's fine. Maybe it's on the docket. I don't know, but that was a really good show. It just was on a stupid channel. I I don't understand why certain channels have certain content. And it it like... Like the the last OG? Right. Like it's on a channel that's a really good show, but it's on a channel I don't watch. So I didn't know that it... I didn't know when it was airing or anything. The only reason I knew about the last OG was because of that situation where Tracy Morgan was like 
spazzing about them asking him about uh, Tiffany Haddish and what it was like to work with her. Yeah. And now I'm wondering if that was like a publicity stunt. <laughs> oh, wow. Might have been. So I, it it might have been, but it might not have been. But I, I honestly would not have, without that, it wouldn't have been on my radar at all. I was seeing, I mean, ads for it everywhere. It was on IMDb. It was just ads for it everywhere. That's the only reason why I knew about it. Mad ads. Anything else? So, so you, you said the show is good. Stalker, mm. kind of like Dexter of Netflix, basically. Pretty much. Okay. What do you think about the ending without giving too much away? Oh, I haven't finished it all yet. Oh, I did. I picked up some, uh, I went on a Ben Foster run because I watched um, Hell or High Water. Yep. Which you said sucked didn't, at first, didn't and suck. then I came back and clarified. Really solid film, yeah. and Ben Foster's always shined in a lot of his stuff. He's got some shitty movies, but he's always acted well. Right, I agree. And so I was um, hostage. Yeah, and I was cruising through Amazon, and a movie he did last year called Leave No Trace was up there. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I did want to see that. It's a really, really good film. It's done by the woman who directed uh, Winter's, Winter's Bone. Bone. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Deborah which Brandy. we love. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's about. Um, about a, a guy who lives in the forest with his daughter and it's they're kind of like I mean they're homeless but they're like homeless by choice I right. guess if that makes sense and yeah. it's kind of about how they kind of they get picked up by like park rangers and they're like they're they're pissed they're like yo we we want to be this way like we want to be off the grid kind of situation interesting and it's, it's in a weird way is a good um good acting by Ben Foster and then it was also a, a kind of a unique not a unique, but a take on the coming of age because his daughter, who's been raised in the forest with him, obviously is kind of coming is kind of coming around. Uh-huh. And me and Martin have talked about I hate I kind of hate coming of age movies because they're all the same. Oh yeah, but this one um, had some uh, some uniqueness to it, which I really liked, and he did a good job. So mm. very good film. Interesting. Good. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. Anybody else want to throw something out there? I saw. Uh... Dragon Ball Super Broly last night. Dragon Ball what? Yeah, uh, that's the new uh, animated film in the Dragon Ball franchise. It's a very niche market. I'm not sure how many of our listeners know what that is, but if you do, hit me up on social media. We'll talk about it. It was really good. Um, It was a sold out screening at 10 p.m. All adult males, uh, most of them older than me. Wow. Each one of them acting like a child, like screaming. Cool. Uh, it was no, it was not cool, man. It's a joke. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Guys like that. Yeah. Go ahead though. No, nah, man. I mean, it was cool. I just that was really one thing that I did not enjoy about it was the uh the excessive. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know what it is about, you know, Japanese cartoons that makes adult men act like children. I just don't get it. Uh, yeah, I don't get it either, man. I'm, I'm so totally removed. I'm more removed from that world than I am from Star Wars. It's really crazy. Uh, Dragon well, Ball Z. Me and my cousin, we just did a podcast on Dragon Ball Z and the Black Experience. Uh, you can check it out on. <laughs> it sounds like an like a exhibition at Chrysler. <laughs> hey, hey, he, he came up with the topic. I was just on the show. But uh, you can check it out at WeCasualMisfits.com. It's pretty interesting. This check boy it out. been doing other people's Other people's podcasts. The OPP out here. What? Actually, actually, my cousin was inspired by you guys. Oh, nice. Was he? Yeah. Shout out to your cousin, bro. Mm-hmm. Listen to his podcast. What's his, what's his own call again? Uh, Casual Misfits. Casual Misfits. Casual Misfits Radio. That's what's up, man. We got kind of movie critics out here inspiring motherfuckers. <laughs> I watched another movie that I remember you mentioning. Uh, did you ever see White Boy Rick? I never saw it, but I, I wanted to see it. it. Uh, it sucked. In it my did it. I didn't think it was that good. It, it, it looked like it was one of those that, that could have went down the drain fast. It looked like it either was going to be as good as Blow or just really, really bad. Blow wasn't good. 
I like Blow. Blow is a good movie. I like Blow. Blow kind of over the top. Uh, it's not even as good as Blow. It's, no, it's I, not, I get that from what White you're White Boy saying. Rig is not a good movie. I, I I was I really felt empty when I saw it after. I was like, wow, what a waste. Damn. Like it just I mean it's not it's not terrible in like a you know I don't know what what's a terrible movie we've seen lately, like you know, some terrible blockbuster, but like it just wasn't good. It just wasn't a good movie. The like, the main kid didn't seem like a good actor. He did okay. He did I mean, okay. I think he that's not where it falls short. It's just structurally it's a really odd film mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't do anything to support it like and then when you look at the story of what happened to this kid like it's kind of a big deal like it's like yo but it, it doesn't feel that way until you get to the end so it's it's really rushed i would say okay. it felt like a you know when uh, it felt like a, a vh1 movie oh, like, or a like yeah it felt like a made for tv movie you know with a little obviously with a little bit of production value because you got matthew mcconaughey and all these actors you know but like for the the structure and how they i mean the movie's only like an hour and a half long i mean it's just like lightning fast mm. and it's it, so it's, it's about sh- a kid though so his life's not that long <laughs> but i mean it's like it, you're dealing with drugs and it's like drugs and criminal activity it just and, and the things he did you're like really you're gonna wrap all this up in an hour and a half i just didn't think it was a very good movie uh-huh. and i thought it was gonna be a good movie or at least an interesting film to all watch right. it so. looked all right yeah the little who shout out to whoever did the trailer yeah. so. i binged a show on netflix called sick note sick note. and it's it's sh- <laughs> It's um it's a British series and I think it's one that um was like BBC and then Netflix picked it up like they like to do. Right. But um it stars um what is that child's name? Rupert Grant. Grant. Yes, thank the you. The Harry Potter guy, right? Yes. Yeah. He is Ron Weasley on Harry Potter. It stars Rupert Grant and he's um it's about <laughs> he pretends to have cancer at work so they won't fire him and the shit just spirals out of control <laughs> and wow. he gets into misadventure after misadventure. Oh. Um but yeah, that was really really British in the best possible way. Not as funny as a chewing gum, but right. kept my attention. Gotcha. Interesting. Um I saw I mean, I saw a couple of things. I kind of forget everything I saw, but well, obviously, True Detective. Oh yeah, I've yeah, been watching true, that too. Yeah, True Detective. But I, I watched a documentary yesterday that really fucked me up, man. Called uh, "The Devil We Know," mm-hmm. and it's basically about um, when Dupont first started making like Teflon pans, mm-hmm. and like that, you know, they they were making Teflon pans out of um, like Parkersville, West Virginia, or something like that. They bought a piece of this guy's land. And then started like dumping chemical waste from the, you know, from the process of them making the shit. And it started like, it started killing mad cattle. Basically, poisoned the water. It poisoned the water, poisoned mad people. People died. People were born deformed. And it turned into like a like one of the biggest class action lawsuits like of all Aaron time. Like an Aaron Brockovich situation? Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and basically, the, the moral of it is, is that they said 99% of all Americans have like, a little bit of this chemical in their system, you know, because we have Teflon pans, because we got Teflon pans or think we go to restaurants where shit is prepared on Teflon Teflon pans. Like, so it's a, it was, it was, it kind of like, it's, it's been a long time since a subject matter sort of turned me inside out and really made me say, fuck, like maybe Mm. depressed. And then, you know, yeah. So it kind of depressed me. (laughs) But it was really good, though. <laughs> it was really good. Um, good My grandfather retired from working for DuPont. 
Oh, does he have like cancer or anything like that? I mean, he's dead now. He eventually, um, I mean, but he lived to be like 92. Oh, okay. But he, um, he developed lymphoma before he died. But if it's possible that it could have been from back then, but I don't know. I don't know exactly what people got, but he was, he, he worked for DuPont in, um, in Virginia in Henry Mm. County. Mm. And that plant's been closed for most of my life. My uncles and such all worked there and none of them like had serious diseases, but we have really good genes and we survived most things. So Mm. IDK. Yeah. But I don't know what they were making at, at the DuPont chemical plant here. So it may not have been something poisonous. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of living forever, Betty White turned 97. Holla. This week, today. Oh, my coworker showed me a meme and it said, Betty White was born in 1922 and sliced bread was invented in 1928. So sliced bread is the best thing since Betty White. I thought that was really cute. Wow. That's pretty interesting. How do you invent sliced bread? I mean, it's. I mean, like they didn't, you used to have to slice it yourself. You couldn't buy it sliced. That was like an right. invention. You had to invent that. It, well, it was a it was a thing that they started selling. So I guess everybody's yeah. phone's not on vibrate. It is on vibrate, asshole. Mm. <laughs> not when it makes a noise. Well, so it's on vibrate plus mad noise. Um. So right now, um, I'm just really excited a bunch of <laughs> sorry. I'm I'm excited a bunch of shows that are coming back. Um, of course, Game of Thrones is coming in April. Yes. I think Crashing comes this weekend. Oh, oh this is this is us started Tuesday. I can't wait for Crashing. Yeah. Um, I didn't what even I, know about crashing. Just yeah, like, my show Magicians comes back, and I'm, I'm really still like finishing up Patriot season two. I like that, and I like True Detective as well. So I, I'm just glad this season is like bringing back a lot of shows I really love. Can mm-hmm. we talk about how Stephen Dorff is randomly in True Detective, and none of us can figure out why? Listen, yeah, I I, I just <laughs> yeah. still don't understand why a casting director would pull that name out of a hat. I mean, he's not a bad actor. He's not a bad actor, well, like, but he's just in such a slump. And it's interesting to me because when I start seeing actors do certain things, I'm just like, what's going on in your career? So like me seeing Ray Liotta in a freaking nicotine oh, addiction. He, he, Yo, he, he got all that freaking yeah. Botox. Yo, Ray Liotta looks <laughs> bad. He got the shiny, bro. shiny Botox face. Um, he, he, he looks, looks like, like Sharon Osbourne. Person, but yo. yeah, he he does. But I was just like, what's going on in Ray Liotta's career that he's in in a Chantix commercial? Like what's going on? And so it reminded me, Stephen Dorff was in that e-cigarette. He was in those a while ago though. I will give him, give him that. But like I, I, he really hasn't done anything between Blade and now. Like well, he did that movie somewhere, that Sofia Coppola movie that I like. Yeah, I mean, I mean haven't. he's just been like random. He's just random. He's just got a really random career. But he's not and a bad actor. No, not at all. He's not a bad actor. But it's just also we were talking all the other seasons had like relatively A-list actors, right. you know, and then you've got oh. Steven Dorff. He's kind of like the opposite of Taylor Kish because they, Taylor Kish is a way bigger they've star been pushing him. him for like a long time. And he just keeps doing bad movies. Well, bad roles. I would say Taylor Kish is in a better position because he's, well, I haven't seen much from him lately, but he at least had a few blockbusters under his belt. Yeah, and few Colin Farrell was kind of, he was kind of iffy before. He got shaky. He got two. rocky. Um, yeah. Around season two, Colin was rock. He's back. I think he's kind of bounced back. And apparently, sorry. he did eleven episodes of Star. Star. Stephen Dorff. No, sure. the um, that Lee Daniels show that has um, oh. Lee on oh yeah 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 oh wow. He's been. I'm looking. He's been. He's actually been he's working. A, he's an active person. I'm not saying he's not working, but a lot of his stuff is just to, no. I, to be yeah. fair, yeah. I did. I ain't seen him in shit, so I had to yeah. look, and I, I, I'm discovering uh, it's, this. It's like I'm, Sam Worthington. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, his career. Yeah. Oh, man. So, um, well, I was going to say something about Steven Dorff, too, man. Damn, this shit just fucked me up. He actually had a movie last year and he has a movie next year. Oh, I know what. When we said something like what's happening in their career. So, apparently, this is a thing. Um, 
some actors may have got caught up in that whole Bernie Madoff shit, man. Oh. Yeah. Like, got caught up in the whole Bernie Madoff shit, lost mad money, and, like, that that might be why you see, like, people like, I don't know who, but when you look at people like Nicolas Cage, right? Like, where he just come out of nowhere and start doing a bunch of, like, straight-to-Netflix movies. Yeah, apparently he's in the some remake people... of Left Behind that didn't need to be remade. Oh, he's in Spider Man too, though, so he still does good stuff. Yeah, but yeah, well, Nicholas Cage. Apparently, yeah. a lot of actors got Spider Man. He's in the new Spider Man. Interesting. Yeah, he plays Spider Man Noir. Hmm. Not know that. So so yeah, man, Bernie Madoff fucked up entertainment. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, Ray Liotta does look bad. I saw that. I saw that commercial. It played at a movie that I was at, and I was like, "Yo, it's horrible." I think in he looked like Botox, and he like he had a nose job. He looked like he did everything. Yeah, he like he got the works. He went and was like, "See this shit?" (laughs) Just he he probably (laughs) probably has a (laughs) facelift and Botox, but yeah. Yeah. But I think he even references like Enchantix, like he might reference like, "Yeah, you know, I look really great for my age." I'm like, motherfucker, you don't, (laughs) boy. Anyway, man, um, let's get into uh, why 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 we came together today, man. For uh, if Beale Street could talk, ah, <sighs> man, I enjoyed this movie so much. I, I'm, you did, I'm, I really did, man. Okay. I'm very <laughs> glad to get into this episode. Um, let's start with our synopsis. Not bad. Well, for, let me let me do the setup here. So, um, if Beale Street could talk, obviously was uh, it was a James Baldwin novel that was adapted into a screenplay. Correct, mm-hmm. right, Lizzie? Yeah. Okay. Um, I love how you say I write, Lizzie. I have not read that novel. Well, but you're you're the correspondent for everything black. Fair enough. Yeah, I fact check you, but then I have to go back and fact check you because I think you'd be bullshitting sometimes. You'd be wrong. You've been wrong a few times, but it's all good. We're on not, what? We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it. All. I don't want to embarrass you on because you're full of shit. But it's fine. <laughs> no, I just don't I was wrong about how to pronounce Jared Leto. Ooh. <laughs> Yo, you see how petty she is? She keeps a tab of everything she was wrong about. Because I, I'm, but I'm admitting to being wrong. Yeah, you were definitely wrong about that. I mean, um, I definitely thought it was Ja Red Leto as well. <laughs> ja Red Leto. <laughs> Thanks, Chandler. I appreciate terrible. you breaking the ice there, bud. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead with the synopsis, bro. A woman in Harlem embraces her pregnancy while she and her family struggle to prove her fiance's innocent of a crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have y'all seen um, Medicine for Melancholy? Barry, Barry yes. Jenkins' first film? I haven't watched it all the way through, but yes. It's crazy to me. Like, what, like the leap between Medicine and Melancholy to Moonlight is, was, is a, a gap of three is million ridiculous. miles. Yeah, it's, re- it's like. And I like Wyatt Cenac, but I don't like him and stuff like that. I don't mm. want to see him doing drama. Do you, do you feel like it was that much of a leap between Moonlight and this? Cinematically. No, I think it was not just cinematically. Just a different, different film, different style, different everything. But like, I do I mean, feel like there is a gap between the films. Okay, talk about it. I did not like this movie as much as I liked Moonlight. I agree with Ooh. you. I liked Moonlight a lot better. Okay. Ooh. I, I liked. Beale, I, liked I liked Beale Street, yeah, I but I did not like it yeah. as much as I liked Moonlight. Martin was going to say something. Oh yeah, I second that. I think Moonlight's a better movie to me. Okay. But it's not a failing. Because remember, I was saying like this will be like this will tell me if he's really got chops. If he, if like Moonlight was a fluke, right? I don't think Moonlight was a fluke. I just think he's grown tremendously from Medicine for Melancholy. Right. But because there was so much of a gap between Medicine for Melancholy and Moonlight, mm-hmm. I was just like, uh, can he do that again? Right. 
I think he can do it again. Yeah. I don't think he has done it again yet. What you mean? You think he could do Moonlight again? I think he could do something that amazing again, yes. So what was so much more amazing about Moonlight that missed on Bill Street? The, it, it is an adapted screenplay, and both of them are, because Moonlight's adapted from a play. From a play, And right. this is adapted from a novel. Right. And um, one of my friends who listens to this show pointed out something that I didn't, I didn't feel watching Moonlight that I did feel watching this. Which is? So remember how I told you when I was watching Fences, it felt like I was watching a play. Right. Because it was very monologue heavy. It, 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 it was still a good movie, but it felt like a play. Okay. Um, and like how the set was really confined to like the house and everything. And then they're just talking, 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 talking. So when I watched Moonlight, it did not feel like I was watching a play at all. Okay. But Beale Street does. Beale Street yeah. feels like you're reading a book. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It feels like a novel. And and I part of it is I I think I I think that's probably what part of his intention was, but go ahead. Though. It might have been, yeah. but I don't I don't th- I I don't feel like I should feel that way watching a movie. That's just me. Right. I I mean, you know, the Color Purple is adapted from a novel. It doesn't feel like you're watching watching a novel on screen. Does that make sense? It doesn't mm-hmm. feel yeah. like I'm 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 and a lot of it to me is um Kiki Lane's delivery and then in like her narration. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like the narration starts very abruptly. I would have liked for it to kind of come in at the beginning. Right. It just kind of she starts talking. I'm like, oh, there's a narrator. <laughs> so, yes, I, structurally, it's 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 kind of an odd film. It, it's they they took a interesting direction with it, and I can't I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on, but that kind of sums it up. It feels like you're watching pages in a book, and, and I, and I feel know? like they probably wanted to get some of his voice in there, some of his words. So that's probably why they integrated that into the story structure, just mm-hmm. to really you know kind of have his voice kind of come through. What are you talking about? Uh, James, James Baldwin. James Baldwin by having her narrate. And mm-hmm. that, that might be it. Mm-hmm. And, and and maybe him wanting to have lines delivered in a certain way, like how they resonated with him when he read it. Mm-hmm. That's quite possible. Mm-hmm. Because because I think like there's something very poetic about James Baldwin's language. And that's something that I've seen uh, in other like pieces where sometimes they try to do his his work and sometimes the narration doesn't work. So I felt like that's something that I think they nailed it in this in this movie. That, and I thought that was a characteristic of the film. Well, on, on your point, Treasy, about the movie trying purposely to emulate the feel of a novel, mm-hmm. the uh, opening text on screen has like that mission statement from James Baldwin. Right. I imagine it's from the book. I haven't read it, but it's about like what he's trying to do with the novel. And it says that before this film. Right. So it makes it clear that you're watching an adaptation of a novel, even if you go in knowing nothing. Mm-hmm. The the film tells you that. I think the narration is a good way to keep some of that text from the novel, like you were saying, Jesse. I don't like films with narration. When I heard that, I immediately put my guard up. Um, <laughs> so so let's be clear. You didn't like Goodfellas or Casino. Okay. <laughs> so there's differences. Be careful, Chandler. Okay, so, You're going to end up like me. <laughs> we'll take a brief, a brief Scorsese tangent. Uh, I think you're, now, you're now being interviewed to whether or not you like black things. That's not, happening right yeah. now. Alrighty. I like black things. Black Scorsese's get, Italian. Get clearly. the gavel ready. No, 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 no. He's like, he's like, he doesn't like narration and you threw out the white movies. Like, I don't Pew. like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, okay, so Casino, solid film takes a lot from Goodfellas. I think Goodfellas was original, right? Casino feels very derivative. 
of Goodfellas. Sure. That's my Scorsese tantrum. I think both movies, but those are fun movies, though, right? I think this movie is trying to be very profound. And then I think and it is and it is. But the narration kind of makes it feels a little preachy to me because that's literally what's happening. I'm being preached. It's being to. spoon fed to you. And I, I this movie is so subtle in its visual language and its performances in the, the way that it's edited in the cinematography. And then to have something as uh, on the nose as, you know, a character literally telling me the themes of the movie. I just think it doesn't need that. I think you can convey those ideas with the filmmaking style. Um, the same with like at the beginning and end of the film, they put still images on screen. Mm-hmm. That was very Spike Lee. I don't like it. Yeah, it yeah. is very Spike. And I think it feels like his style. It didn't feel like it meshed with the style of this movie to me. I didn't dislike it. I understood what it was trying to do and it was okay. But that kind of took me out of the movie where I was like, oh, okay. We're doing this now. I'm supposed to be getting a message as opposed right. to like allowing you to formulate your own thoughts about it. It's like, let me let me put it down your throat. It didn't feel rammed down my throat like a Spike movie. No, mm, but no, nope, no. Nope, be careful. Can't make fun of Spike. I, again, can't make fun of Spike. No, we can't make fun of Spike. <laughs> <laughs> We've clarified this multiple times. Yeah, yeah. It, actually, I don't even know. He does. If, I don't know if he's still listening. He even know Chandler exists. You yeah. can't make fun of Spike. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not making fun of Spike, but I expect that from Spike. Yeah. I didn't expect it from Barry Jenkins. I feel like um, one of the things that was beautiful about Moonlight is you knew what you were watching. You knew what the story was about without him him having to, like, tell you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not that the narration bothered me so much. It just was very abrupt and stark. Yeah. Um, in a way that I wasn't expecting. And so I was like, oh. And it started, like. Uh, there's like a good chunk of the like a, a good like 10 15 minutes before she starts doing that and i'm like oh did you see like, the who is this mystery give? person i knew yeah. it was her but it was like uh, oh we're, we're inside her head now all right <laughs> did, did you see the hate you give this year yes so i hate that trailer. yeah <laughs> i think that's a, i, I that think that's trailer. a horrible horrible movie this movie actually reminded me a lot of it <gasps> really yeah but this movie reminded me of it in ways that i was like okay this is a successful version of what the hate you give was trying to do, and we can get more into that later with no, like plot details. Nah, the hate you give was the All Lives Matter movie, so I didn't like the end of the message. But as far as like the story, it was good. But like that end message, I was like, um, no, nah, fuck you. I can't agree that there's anything good about that movie, <laughs> and uh, that's because I'm a white supremacist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Be careful. Hot take. Hot take. Listen, join the club. Apparently, 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 that's what we are wow. here. So nobody says that you're so dramatic. <laughs> You should have been in Beale Street. So, <laughs> so my thing, okay, I think everybody's point is completely valid. I really feel like, are you guys familiar with Roy De Carava, the photographer? All right, so I, watching this, he's very, he's, all right, so Roy De Carava, a photographer, very known for like doing a lot of like heavy contrast, for a lot of black and white. Pretty much all his work was black and white. Um, but, he really encapsulated like the essence of black culture in Harlem. You know, he's a photographer from Harlem. Mm -hmm. I felt like this movie was one big ode to James Baldwin and Roy De Carava. So it's not like Gordon Parks then? Gordon Park. Yeah. In a way, in a way. Yeah. Gordon Parks is a good reference to me. I felt more Roy De Carava than Gordon Parks outside of the fact that it was a very, the, the colors were extremely, vibrant and and you know the color palette to this film was 
incredible. Well, James like, Laxton. Well, that, I mean, even talking about him, man, he's made a huge because he did medicine for melancholy as well. He's he, the, he did he moonlight, but yeah. I, I mean, he, he knows how to huge, light black people that just makes us look like angels. Yeah, apparently he's he's good at it. So um, so and so I really feel like he did his due, they did their due diligence in looking at the imagery that came out of that. I feel like they did a really they did their due diligence with just re-encapsulating that era mm. how it felt how it smelled how mm. you, the things you heard like mm. and i just can't and watching this i realized i had never seen a film that did that for me mm. it never there was there's never been there's been plenty of films that had like the harlem renaissance but you felt like of, you were there i felt like i was there and it didn't feel like a world that was completely unfamiliar mm-hmm. like it didn't go out of his way to make us say like damn this shit is set in the 60s or the 50s or the whatever right. the case so, may be so by contrast so you didn't feel like that watching like Malcolm X. No, I didn't. I didn't it felt I didn't less feel like, like the, a period piece than Malcolm X is what you're saying. You felt like you were there. I felt like it was uh, when when watching Malcolm X. It's like I the period wasn't really on my brain. Like the story was on. You know mm-hmm. the the man the mission was on my brain. Now, of course, there's, you know, like the zoot suit scene that you hate. You know, there's things that bring you back to the time, but I don't I don't feel like they spent a lot of time really trying to craft and construct that world. It was more about the mission of who Malcolm X was, you know, and, and what, you know, what he transformed to from Malcolm Little to what he became to, the, you know, after this. So you're you know, saying this life, world felt very, like, full. His, it felt very full, man. It felt like, this felt like I was watching... This felt like my mom was telling me a story. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it, it, it just. It, I really feel like this did so much respect to the literature, and I haven't. This is one of the films that makes me want to read the book mm-hmm. because of the I've way that it was translated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and I just I can't think of another film that has successfully brought me into the world of like Black Renaissance and dropped me off there, and I didn't feel like a stranger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. And, and then and then I'm going to tell you, to me, the, the biggest joy, man, I got within five to ten minutes of the film when she broke down and told her parents that she was pregnant uh-huh. and they they fucking supported her, man. Mm-hmm. I was like instant tears. bro. Oh, yeah. bro. I was in that bitch leaking like, yo, <laughs> what? Like, yo, families be supportive like this. <laughs> I think that I think that that is something that needs to be seen because it sets you up for high drama like she's going to have a hard time with her family right but realistically I think like that's always the narrative like young black girl gets pregnant and end up on the street because her family doesn't want her anymore she's an outcast right like, her experiencing um, the opposite of that is is um, important right. it's important to see it's imagery that needs to be there I think like um and I hope I'm not getting too far ahead. I think that Barry Jenkins has a theme in his feature length movies of just love and him showing you like loving relationships between Mm -hmm. different at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Black people, you know, medicine for melancholy was about a romantic relationship between a man and a woman or something like that. And and then moonlight, it's not about romantic love necessarily. It's about love between men. This is about love not uh, between like black families. It's about black f- familial love. Right. So like, I th- I think that it's important to him telling that story to say like, this is what black love can look like 
in all of these different settings. Yeah. And it feels very authentic. Yeah. Very and, authentic. and I think something that made it authentic, like looking at the way it was shot, everything was like a close up. Like 90% of the movie was all like 85 millimeter, just bam, right in there, in their faces and stuff. You really didn't see too much of the world. And I I think that kind of that kind of like takes me back to like like in Philly, like where my mom grew up and stuff in uh-huh. her old house. Like it's a really small place. Like everyone's kind of like on top of each other and stuff like that. So right. I kind of I kind of felt like that just helped with the overall like kind of feel of the film. Well, yeah, so Made to your point, mm-hmm. I so I feel like part of the mission here was fuck that shit let's look at people like there's mm-hmm. so many times mm-hmm. you know when we talk about when we talk about black people in a certain space there's just general labels you know and i'm sure it happens to every culture group right there's just general labels that we get mm-hmm. right how often do we get a chance to look into their eyes and get the the truth the true humanity man you know Stephen James first of all I love the Stephen James dude man like I want to see him as so much um what was his name Fonny mm-hmm. yeah you know, I, told, I told you when I watched Homecoming he was gonna be somebody yeah, I was star, like that guy's yeah. dope now was the first time you saw him in Homecoming he's too. in Shots Fire too he's in Selma. Yeah, he's in Actually, Selma. I didn't see something. And he, he's, um, he oh, plays, really? He plays Jesse Owens. I'm sorry. I missed a movie. He no. plays I'm Jesse sorry. Owens in Race. Like, he works. Yeah. yeah. I really just wanted to shave his little beard in this movie. Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was going on with those sideburns and the. He was supposed to be artistic, like, beatnik. He's kid. a very handsome man. I was just like, yo, you got to do something about that. No, do it something. was, he looked like the Times, though. Like,. Yeah. That and it, man, I love I loved it, man. He was, you know, you see the juxtaposition of what kind of family he came from. Mm-hmm. You know, his mother, this, you know, just holy roller, f- yeah. holy uh, roller, Hasidity. Dad was hella cool, you know what I mean. But like, you just see the man spoke Spanish. He did art. Like, how many times have we was, seen a character like very this? Very cultured, very cultured man from the middle of fucking uptown Harlem. You know what I'm saying? Like, and had all this culture, man. We net we we ain't never seen yo, name me three characters that's like that that you've seen in American cinema from that time period. You know what I'm saying? And to me, that's the magic of this film, is that it's showing us shit that we've never seen in a very subtle, subtle way. It's not being preachy about it. It's you know, it's just like, yo, you ain't never seen no shit like this. But you have to think about when James Baldwin wrote that character. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think and I'm, I don't feel like this is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Fani, as a person in, in, in the world, as a citizen of Earth, as a black man from that time period in Harlem mm-hmm. is a rarity or an oddity. I think, Agreed. I think that he existed then. I think he existed before then. I think he exists now. And like you said, I don't think Fani, as a, as, a, as a black man who is cultured but still very much in tune with his community, and with his his um his his family culture and 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 blackness in general, he's not dis he can be cultured without being disconnected from being like a regular ass black person. Right. And I feel like you know we're we're everywhere. Yeah. I I don't feel disconnected from him. At I all. can identify with him, and I you know I know other people like him. I see some of myself in him, and I think we're everywhere. But very rarely are we depicted like that on screen. Like never you said. ever. Yeah, and then even even the way that Brian Henry Therese character was depicted, like there were so many. I I I really thought that he was going to be like the the little like thorn in the. Uh-huh. I thought he. I thought there was a a twist coming with his story, yeah. and it really wasn't, man. Mm-hmm. You know, he was very. 
PTSD, dog. Mm-hmm. That's it, man. This man got put in prison. He got put in jail. His back was against the wall. Took a plea deal, like many of them do. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? To 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 take for a lesser situation. Got put in jail, and he came out with PTSD from that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he's t- it, he was telling a story. I know we're all over the place. All over he, the place. We man. are. He was telling a story that is so relevant even now. This this movie. It's written from a novel from several decades ago, and it is still a very relevant and real and tangible situation mm-hmm. that people are still going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much. Very much, man. That like I gotta be honest. I like I really love Moonlight. I think I like this. I I, I can see me watching this movie more than like Moonlight, I, I don't really have the desire to go back to it. I did it done. Actually, it was good. this movie made me want to go back to it. D- made you want to go back to Moonlight? Mm-hmm. Interesting. How come? Um, there's messaging obviously that I picked up on in Moonlight, but I feel like maybe I've missed some of it. Okay, and maybe I, as much as I appreciate that movie, I, I, I have this one fresh in my mind. So I'm comparing it, but I'm comparing it to something I saw two years ago. Uh, so if I'm feeling like I need to watch it again to see if like I'm, I can stand by what I said initially that I enjoyed it more. Yeah, gotcha. I, I feel a, like I can though. <laughs> uh, Coleman Domingo is an actor who played Tish's father. Right. He's amazing. Uh, best beard I've seen on screen in years, <laughs> by the way. Um, he was so good in this movie. Yes. Um, that scene where they had the bar. I love that scene. Oh. I, the, even the first scene where he's introduced, where Tish is telling the family what's going on. And you can tell he has some reservations about her being pregnant. Obviously, it's a surprise to him. Right. But Regina King kind of throws him a look and he just understands like, OK, I got to I got to do this for my daughter right now. Right. I mean, I'm not a parent, but that, that really affected me emotionally. I'm interested to know what you guys think about Barry Jenkins and black fathers in his films. I think Mahershala Ali is a strong father figure in Moonlight. Right. I think this character is a really strong father figure. Mm. And I think that that's something that. I hear a lot that black fathers are underrepresented in cinema. Right. Being a white person, I think I could use a dose of your perspective on I, that situation. I appreciate you <laughs> wanting a dose of that perspective. Um, you know what? I didn't look at it. I didn't even. I didn't even catch that. Until, I did uh, until you said. It. I just enjoyed. I just enjoy. I looked at that and said, "This is exact." I looked at it and was like, "Yo, this is exactly the way a father should be." You know what I'm saying? And this is. You know, I didn't have that type of representation in my life. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't meet my father till I was twenty six. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and that and that's not just a black problem. That's a every that's a every race, most race problem. Well, right? I think I but, think to Chandler's point though, I do agree that it's not absentee fatherism is not just a black problem. Yeah. However, I think that it is highlighted in our community maybe more so than others. Um, I, I, I can't really, I, I, I can't really say that's true or false. I mean, it's my, the my narrative. F- we don't have dads and white people don't have dads either, but we don't, we don't hear about how white people don't have dads. So here's the thing. I, I, you say it's the narrative, but I don't, I can't think of an instance where it's really been like painted the narrative by somebody outside of us. See, growing up white. That was the narrative that I heard from like white people that I was around. Okay, so that's a behind closed doors conversation. This ain't in front I mean, of your face. Like you didn't go to people, a white high school. Yeah, I think a lot of people. <laughs> no, I did. I went to the that. whitest high school of you all went time. To Bethel. 
Yeah. Yeah. My 11th and 12th grade year, I went to Burke Burnett uh, High. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Like the the I, whitest. I retract. Schools. No, it couldn't have been whiter than Hickory where I went. Oh. <laughs> oh. No. Wow. I went. No. <laughs> yeah. Look up Burke Burnett, Texas. Whenever you get a chance, I will. Yeah. It's about like 20 miles south of Oklahoma, bro. It's a middle of nowhere town in Texas. I think just Texas alone qualifies it for being way more white. Let's just keep it 100. Texas outside of the main Dallas, Houston. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Off the beaten trail. Um, but, um, so, so yeah. Okay. So if, if to me, I looked at it and felt like that's how fathers should be, you know, my favorite television show growing up was the Cosby show. You know what I mean? But even looking back at that now, their, their whole family structure was unrealistic to some degree. You know, you got a lawyer for a mother, you got a, you know, a, a, a doctor for a father. That and they always home. They always fucking home. <laughs> can teach their kids all the lessons of, you know, and got and all the And now one of their that, kids got in trouble. And now, you know what I'm saying? That was very unrealistic. This was more of how I was raised in terms of like the class. You know, uh, I had a mother that worked hard as shit. You know what I mean? But we never got past a certain, you know, qualifying line of, you know, lower to middle class. But she would have my fucking back through anything. You know, I just didn't have the father to parallel that experience. So um, I just looked at it and was like, yo, this is to me. This is the father I want to be. You know what I mean? Just completely supportive of my daughter, regardless of the situation. She knows I have her back. She knows she could talk to me about anything. You know, the the um, the scene where it was just like him and her and. And, you know, they were, he, he was just sitting next to her and, mm-hmm. you know, put his arm around her and was, you know, just, you know, helping her through that moment in, 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 in pregnancy, man. I was just like, man, this is, that's some shit. Yeah, I, I don't really see it. I, and that's some shit I want to be. But that's, that's my perspective of it. I think, I th- oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, Go I was going to, I was going to piggyback. Please. Um, to answer your question. I grew up with the opposite experience of Treasy. I have a very present father and I've been in that situation. I've been unwed and pregnant. And my dad definitely, my mom definitely didn't pour my dad some Hennessy. She was just like, oh, you're pregnant. What are we going to do? But it was never, you got to get out of here, Jezebel, anything like that. Right. So, um, and, and to your question, I think that Barry Jenkins has, like I said, the films that I've seen have been about black love. But in terms of black fatherhood. I think with with Moonlight, it was to say this is love between black men. And even though they don't have a tie to each other from blood, that we we do still have fathers. He did still have a father. Um, he had someone to serve that role in his life. And a lot of a lot of kids. I'm not I don't know. You know, I don't know much about um, white fatherlessness because I'm not a, a white person and I wasn't fatherless. But um, I think that. They, that a lot of kids who don't necessarily have their their biological father in the home, black kids, they still have a a father in their community. A lot of them, whether or not that person is a good or a bad influence, I think is about on par with the dad you grew up in your house with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's a, it's it's another facet of black love from a biological father to say that this is what love from a surrogate father looks like. This is what love from a biological father looks like. And in this movie, both of their fathers were loving people that he didn't feel the need to like in this. And I mean, that's James Baldwin's writing. Right. But James Baldwin didn't feel the need to insert like a shitty dad into his story. Right. I think. 
the specificity of this story, I mean, because my experience is limited to what I've seen in my life. And certainly my perspective as a white, a straight white guy. You had to add that in there. Hey, man. (laughs) Straight white guys are extinct. And to be fair, Barry Jenkins is a gay black man. Right. No, but he's not. He's, he's not, not, gay. Not, gay. He's not gay. No, he's straight. He's straight. Why did who, I think he was gay? Who? Because he did Moonlight, but he's not. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you thought Barry Jenkins was gay? Oh yeah, where'd you get that from? Or is Justin Simeon gay? One of them is gay. Justin, Justin Simeon. Is okay, gay. that's yeah. why I thought that. Sorry um, about that. <laughs> but I was gonna say like, this narrative is so specific, but I think it appeals to everybody. Like, there's this uh, this rule of thumb when you're writing films that the more specific you make it, the the broader your appeal is. Because when someone sees, when an audience member sees something that feels real and authentic, they can project their own experiences onto it. And watching this movie and seeing like the nuclear family operate in such a supportive way and and so lovingly, like that really just made me feel (laughs) emotions that I was not prepared to deal with in the theater. I felt, I felt like really, I don't know, sad happy like all at the same time just seeing these people that loved each other so much and it's it's an experience that couldn't be more different than mine growing up but i related to it nonetheless they they were all conspiring and working very hard to make sure that that baby who wasn't even here yet was okay was okay Mm -hmm. right and and you know what that's a good and i i actually feel like martin and, and jesse should answer the question too but before we go before that um that you know to me that that's what makes this thing special too. There just wasn't an emphasis. There wasn't that much of an emphasis on black. I mean, there was, there was circumstantial things, you know, obviously the entire (laughs) Fonny's entire timeline is because he was black. You know what I mean? But like outside of that, I really didn't feel that, you know, like I did. I definitely, well, no, I, I probably am going to feel that anyway because I'm me, but still. Yeah, I, I, so I felt I was aware of it, but when in reference to the child, I felt like this was just a, a it wasn't like, I was like, this is the way a black family should be. It's like, this is the way a family should it's be. Humanity. It's humanity. It's mm-hmm. humanity. You know, and, and that was kind of echoed when um they went to look at the loft and then Dave Franco, oh, you know, man. that whole scene where he was like, yo, I, I just, just like dig seeing, people just dig other, people yeah. loving each other. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the sentiment that was like if I had to put if I had to put a tagline to this movie, that's what the tagline would have been mm-hmm. for me. I just dig people loving each other. You know what I mean? I don't. It's not. I don't dig black people. It's like I don't care what color black. You know, he he summed it up of how I felt about that movie on that rooftop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Dave Franco's character, but um, it it you know Martin Jesse like y'all's experience or like y'all's viewpoint of like the black male figure was uh, well. I feel like something that this film was trying to kind of say with, especially with um, Alonzo's character, was that this can happen to anybody. And it kind of shows the effects of what happens to a family when someone gets locked up unjustly. And that's something that's still going on today that was going on back then. And um, I had actually uh, written a pilot for um, a series kind of based off of the Khalif Browder uh, story. Um, a really good script too, by the way. Oh, thanks. And, and this film kind of yeah. took me back to it. I started thinking about it a lot more because what my thing is about is about exploring it even a little bit more deeply. Like Beale Street kind of ends where, um, and I like the way it ends, even though it's kind of open-ended. You don't know when he's going to get out, but it ends with him and his son and his wife and this family structure. What's going to happen 10 years to that son who doesn't have his dad around on those crucial moments 
you know, where, you know, a, a son needs his father. Right. So I think it, it kind of shows that that this this is still going on. And I think that's the importance of the story right now. Yeah, for sure. I just thought it was interesting how, like, the I guess the criminal justice system is kind of like this quiet villain throughout the entire oh movie. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Because yes. just the way, even the way, like, how it affects the fathers, the fact that they would have to go to commit crimes because they can't get money any other way just to mm-hmm. try to get their son out of prison from something he didn't even do. Like, that's just an insane, like, the cycle of crime is, is just really crazy. The trap. It still happens mm-hmm. today, yeah. The yeah. system. The trap. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That was like when when Ti first coined trap music, and he he would talk about it in interviews. That's what he talked about. You know, it's like man, we ain't out here selling drugs for nothing. Mm-hmm. We selling drugs to get out of a situation. But mm-hmm. like once you step your foot into that puddle, it's a muddy puddle. You know what I mean? And, foot and, and your, fur, mm-hmm. your you can't foot, your foot gets stuck. Foot out what you gotta get it's dirty. a fucking <laughs> trap. Mm-hmm. So like so for us to like have this genre of music coined like trap music. It's like, man, it's not. That's not really like a badge of honor. That's really kind of something we ju- like. We really need to get the fuck out of, you know what I mean? And not like glorify it in that particular way. But that's just me talking on some like mid thirty shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I was like early twenties and heard it, I probably wouldn't care. But 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 I think something else this film showed is the lack of opportunity. You know, these people they try to go out, they try to find a place to live. They can't find a place to live. They can't. They're not in a place where there's opportunity to have jobs to be able to get money. So you resort to what you can to just mm-hmm. survive. Yeah, see, that's what I liked about the resourcefulness because everything that was in their way, they got done. Mm-hmm. That trip to Puerto Rico, oh, man. the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the crib. I mean, outside mm-hmm. of getting Fani out of prison, mm-hmm. but they put their best fucking foot forward. They put their back mm-hmm. into that shit for real. Yeah. I, I think that that's that's purposeful in the story is to say that these people are none of the stereotypes mm-hmm. that we are presented with when we think about an unwed mother yep. or or a man in jail. Right. right? They're none of those things. He's cultured. He's hardworking. She is not permis. She's not a promiscuous teen who ends up, you know what I mean, pregnant because uh, she's irresponsible. Like that was her first and only. Her yeah. first and only, and she stayed with him. Stayed with him. Yep. You know they really did love each other. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't a fleeting moment for her that she moved on from and like carried on a life with someone else because it wasn't meaningful to her. You know right. what I mean? Did anybody at any point other than me was like, "Yo, why don't you sell this nigga artwork"? <laughs> did anybody else did Nobody else said I was like yo This would be fly If she just started Selling his artwork And he became like The next Basquiat type But then not, like not Somebody would be like Yo who who made this art Oh the dude who just Raped somebody Is in prison For like 20 years Like Yo that might make nobody's it buying, valuable <laughs> nobody's buying like, Yo you know He can't make nothing else He in prison He's the last yeah. Only two pieces left You know yeah. You get the right salesman You know Take that junk down to You know Down it's to like the meatpacking district <laughs> Yeah, man, you might be able to sell that shit. But that was just me. And I was just like, man, I wonder if they're going to sell his artwork. Oh. One thing I liked about the film, uh, I like to piggyback on what you said about the way it was shot. It started feeling like a perspective film to me, mm-hmm. even though obviously we follow some characters around. But like, it's very tight and it's very intimate. And it's, it, you're right, it's like, fuck everyone else. Yeah. It has this feeling. And then there's a lot of detail that's left out, which I noticed they did that in Moonlight as well. And I like, I like, Barry Jenkins in the way he does that. Hmm. Like at the very end when he, I guess the son wrote the date down. And you he, never, you never see yeah, it. Yeah. You though. never see it. Is that what he wrote down? The date? I, I'm because she goes, he goes, what is that? And she goes, he, he just keeps writing it down ever since he found out when you're getting out. I think she said, well, that. she yeah. didn't yeah. say when you're getting out. She, she said, said ever since I told him. him. Yeah. yeah. 
or he he made it a reference that it was a date. Someone somehow there was a reference to it being a date, oh, and it's like just, he, you don't show. It was a date. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, but you know, I had a I had a feeling about that because of how they re, how he reacted to it, and he didn't like confirm that that's when he was coming home. Um, I I don't know. I mean, that may that may be like I didn't know how I was supposed to feel in that moment. If I was supposed to be sad because it was untrue. If I was supposed to be happy because it was, Uh-oh. or I, I looked at it either way, it could be because he looked visibly kind of shaken, yeah. and I didn't know if that meant, well, damn, that date is a little far off. A from long now. time, yeah, yeah. I thought it was like a drawing of like an old man or some shit. Like, like if that date's really far away from now, mm-hmm. I'm kind of pissed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. miss out on a lot of shit, obviously. Oh. Or it could be, I, well, I didn't interpret it this way that it could be a date coming up soon, and that's like a way of you know sometimes when. People are happy they actually don't do anything, but I don't, I definitely thought it was the worst case scenario. I don't think it's crazy far because he took a plea deal, so yeah, he, he and he had already been like, in there at least like four years, right? The little boy was writing. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, I think it was more of a thing. Well, he might have like gotten to the place that Brian Tyree got to, mm-hmm. where he was like, "Yo, you're good, man. You're out. Like you're gonna be fine." He was like, "No, nah, I'm never really out. Like, yeah, that that's gonna stay with you. Like, you never really feel like you're safe." And even if he got to that day, he probably has reached that point where it's like he's never really gonna feel out, like feel safe, feel free, permanently changed. Yeah, you know, back to and then you know they never showed the the crime either. Like it's so it's I I like the subtlety. I like Mm -hmm. I like Barry Jenkins how he handles not showing you things Mm -hmm. and and then and then filming it in a way either literally not showing you Mm -hmm. and then literally like getting your shots so compressed that you don't see. Yeah, I I I thought he did a really good job because it wasn't even about him if he didn't do it, which he didn't. I mean, yeah. there's no reason to show so, it. So you you made a point, mm-hmm. um, and you said you'd let us form in our opinion, and I was trying to, like, figure it out. You said that you felt like there was uh, an entire sequence that was left out of the film. Oh, yeah. I messed up because I had heard podcasts about it. So the way I interpreted it was they said there was this, like, amazing Brian Tyree Henry sequence. So I thought it was like they just follow him by himself. So I oh. thought it was going to be maybe he gets picked up by the cops and you see him go mm-hmm. back to prison and how horrible that would be. So I thought they cut that out of the film. Oh, okay. I didn't know they actually were talking about him. His monologue. Finding, like the monologue. Which that he stuff. killed, by the way. Like, yeah. He murdered that shit. That whole scene was so great, man. He's yet to not impress me. Yeah. I've never seen him and been like, meh. See, he's a white boy Rick. That's what I was going to say. Is that? Oh, he know, is. Yeah. Is he not good in that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never who seen is it that. again? Brian, Brian Tyree, Tyree Henry the, the from guy, Atlanta. The guy who got out of prison. Daniel. Paper boy. Yeah, paper boy, babe. He, uh. he never seen it. Come on. <laughs> His chorus. <laughs> wow. See, you, you build me up. <laughs> One point for right Chandler, like <laughs> black yeah, shit. That's just real. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you, we, we named every reference possible for you to know who this guy is. And you're like, no, no clue. He's, he was he's in like Widows. Ansel. He's really hot right now. Did you see Widows, Corey? I, I didn't see oh. Widows. I wanted to see Widows. Come on. I couldn't hey, make you it. You made time for Leave No Trace? What, what was the Ben Foster movie? I was at home. I made time for the movie we're talking about right now. He definitely, okay, okay, okay. To be fair, like I am, you invited him to the movies. He didn't feel good. I invited him to the movies. He's like, I'm so sick. I can't leave my house. So, and then I went and left the house and saw the movie. He so did. I saw the damn movie. He was also Miles Morales' dad in Spider Verse. Oh wait, you yeah. didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, oh nobody thought, cares about. He that. was or, or was I don't it, even remember who I was supposed to be looking for Brian anymore. Henry Herschel was the paper uncle. Boy, oh, okay. Paper boy, all about that paper boy. So you don't know nothing about. That. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah, he oh, that guy. He's a dark skinned black dude too. It's like you don't see darkness. Yeah. 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 
And he, just, he was just like, oh, I forgot he was, you forgot he was in the film. Because you guys are attacking me, okay? You guys are attacking me right now. It's a thing. It has to be what it is. No. It is, what it is, no. man. It's no. not, it's, I mean, it's not, it just, all right, just own it. Just That's plenty, just I just it. have so many, there's so many moments where I have done things that are the exact opposite of what you're saying. Right? He and is then, surrounded by the blacks, so what's yeah, one more? He doesn't yeah, even remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's kind of true. Wow. I heart you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so there's a lot of strong performances in this film. Can we all agree on that? Mm-hmm. Was there any weak performances in this film? I didn't love Kiki Lane. The main, I would say if I had to pick the weakest, it was her. I you know what I mean? I, and maybe. And that's just relative. Not She didn't do a bad job. No, at all. and that's that. Maybe that's what it is for me because everyone's performances were so strong. Right. She didn't stand up to theirs. I need to see her in something else to know if she has a range and this was just the way she played the character. Yeah, I think right. it was more of a character thing. Okay. I don't think the narration helps. I think that takes a lot of the subtlety away from her performance because there's these interludes where she's just like, and this is how I was feeling. She has that mm-hmm. little baby voice and then her character is meant to be so innocent. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's like her executing the character very well or if... From a director she, perspective, you feel like that was a character choice, Jesse? Yeah, I feel like it was more of a character... Sorry, it's like a, everyone else seemed like they were just more colorful and more, right. I guess, extroverted. And she was more of She's the reserved naive. person. Yeah. And that's what Alonzo was. He was the one who was bringing, kind of trying to bring that out of her, I guess. Because right. even when they're walking around, he's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to smoke something? you want to drink something? And she's like, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, That is such a great scene. In it the was. Movie yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's, it's like that. You know, sometimes I, I feel like we're so used to just seeing a, a super extroverted main character that when we see someone like this, they might just come off as a little black. You know what? You know what I I wanted to bring up to something that I found myself saying towards like the the third middle of third act of the movie. I was like, I feel like rain plays a huge part in this film. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like anytime we saw the rain, there was a major development in their relationship. Every time we saw the rain, you know Go what on. I'm saying? So like, uh, so the, I think the first time we saw the rain, they were coming out of the, they were coming out of the, um, the restaurant mm-hmm. and she made the statement like, yo, I knew he, you know, I, I knew I loved him. No, 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 no. She, some, she, she realized that like it was real because he was talking to homie and her, his back was completely to him, but he was still holding her hand, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that provided, I think that was one of, I think the first moment for her when she realized that like, that Fonny was in love with her Mm -hmm. was when he bought her, bought her mom the sculpture. But when she realized that like, she loved him was that moment. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that moment led to them having their first intercourse experience, you know, their intercourse experience. <laughs> that was wow. A weird <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was, that was very clinical. <laughs> sorry. Led to them uh, fucking for the first time. Well, that's right? not better. <laughs> I haven't heard that. I, I had to shake that off. So I had to go <laughs> You could have just said, you said it like they had relations. You, they had relations. You, you went weird. from like super clinical to crass. Like, well, they was fucking. I mean, me, Tremaine, you know what I'm saying? The real Tremaine, just wants to say fucking, but I was like, I'm trying to. It be didn't audience. feel like fucking. It was. They was making. They love. made love. Yeah, I didn't love. want to label it. I mean, that you could have hit them with the heavy petting or something like heavy, that. Heavy <laughs> petting. Okay, that's real PG. Um, but yeah, so that led to that. Um, um, movie's PG thirteen because they say fuck like twice, oh, and wow. then she shows her titties. Remember how this I movie did show her titties? There was a boob. Is this, this is this rated R, right? 
I don't think so. I think it's PG-13. It has to be R. There's a lot of breasts in it. Not this a is lot. one breast. It's just a one breast. I don't see it. It's it a, a nipple. Just a like, oh, nipple. Yeah. No, it's There's two boobs. I'm very tasty. Two, two oh, yeah, individual. What was the second? No, yeah, two individual boobs. I count boobs singularly. Oh, one boob. Okay. One boob. It was good lighting on those boobs. Very obscure lighting on the boobs. Oh, my God. I'm not talking about this. I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying it's obscure, so it didn't feel like gratuitous nudity. It didn't seem like gratuitous nudity. No, it was very purposeful. It wasn't. This is a rated R picture. Is it? I thought it been wrong twice now. Oh, I admit, in the back of my mind, I was like, conversation. Uh, I think that movie was rated R. Like, I've never heard that I thought it was PG-13. Glad I didn't take my kids. I think PG-13, <laughs> you can only say fuck once, and you get no boobs. You get a boobie PG-13. You get a boobie PG-13. Uh, something's Gotta Give, the uh, feature with uh, Diane Keaton. Is it Diane Keaton? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And Nicholas, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Nicholson. They yeah. said when she showed her titty. Uh, she, yeah, full frontal in that movie. Yeah, yeah. She was a whole grown-ass lady. She was a whole senior citizen. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> representation um, in cinema matters. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, but there was—I I can't remember the other sequences where it started raining. Um, but but there there had to have been at least two more, and I just found myself saying, "I was like, damn, is rain? Does rain play a part? It rained in, a lot in, in, their the, relationship? in the scenes at their house a lot because you could hear it so vividly right. on the like a, the roof or whatever it was. Right? Was it raining when she gave birth? No. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think so. that was a that was a sequence. great shot though. When yeah. pulled, the way they pulled the baby out and the yeah. lighting, oh, how they came out the tub and went around. I'm like, yo, where was the fucking camera? Uh, where the fuck was this camera, dog? I think when that shot happens too, it's like a series of cuts of very impressionistic shots, okay. and then that one happens, and you're just like, oh, okay, this is like artistic, and it's like, nope, we're literally here with the baby with in the, the tub. Bam, that shit was ill, dog. Yeah, that was a master move, man. Um. But yeah, I, I don't quote me on that. I just found myself saying that. So that would that's something for me to check out on the second time looking back. Like was rain like a sort well, of an indicator? Tie that into because I really like the the score of the film too. Like the way oh, the music was done was really done. Wow, really well. that was yeah. one of the things yeah. that like really that was what I said when I was watching the movie. Oh, yeah. That was the oh, thing yeah. that I that I just couldn't wait to tell y'all. Like yeah. the score, it, just the music choice, just the way they did it was really good. Yeah. And it was very simple. Very yeah. simple, man. He uh, he uses. A string quartet for most of the movie, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah, really you know bare bones. It's it's not even fancy quartet music. It's just chords. It's it's long. It's it's a uh, it's a wistful it's at that part. It's, it's very whimsical. It, yeah, sometimes and I thought whimsical meant silly though. I don't know. He it, said he said the other word. He said wistful. I, I went with whimsical. Yeah, that's all wrong, bro. And you agreed. That's crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> there is a there is like a horn that comes in later that I was like, oh, this is kind of like fun. Like we're walking down the street in the fifties. I, right. I think they can make they that the, that the music was meant to convey different sentiments at different times, but the same music made you feel different things. Yeah, mm. I mean, I, I've so my background as a musician for the listeners that don't know. Yes, um, and. I think it's in the scene where they're walking down the street later and it's like daytime and uh, you can really see a lot of bustling around happening. And there's like a horn that gets added to the string quartet, mm-hmm. which is a big deal because you just heard the strings up to that point. Mm-hmm. And it is like the same theme that's been playing, but now it's got this horn playing over it, which feels very New York, very of that period, very, very jazz Harlem. age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I mean, it, 
I think a lot of people would just not even notice that, but I thought that was a really cool touch. It's a change slightly your emotions. It does make it feel a little happier, a little bit less heavy. Right. Whimsical means playfully quaint or fanciful, especially in an appealing or amusing way. So you owe him an apology. Uh, I don't owe him shit. <laughs> I was wrong. That's about. I was. I was wrong to some degree. Silly can fit in there, right? Mm-mm. Silly can't fit in there. It didn't say. So silly. if you go, if you type in in, in the thesaurus, if you type in women's it, shows me the it won't say, it, it won't say anything say about silly. It doesn't. Okay. All right. My bad. I don't know if I would say whimsical. I was just being. Uh, I got to side with facetious. my white brother. I was being facetious. <laughs> oh, you were being facetious. <laughs> yeah, like I just he said wistful and I was wistful. like wistful and I was like whimsical. Oh, it's wistful. Wistful. wistful sounds onomatopoeia, but it, I don't think it is. Treasy's hurt me enough as it is in my lifetime. <laughs> so, hurt me enough. So. Don't me to me, bro. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. 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 I. I think. Um. That's a good breakdown of the of the score, man. Thank you for that insight. Because. Um. I, I felt. I felt the same way, but I didn't know how to like quantify that. I'm you sure there I'm are many, many people that listen to this podcast that could describe the score in greater detail. And to those people, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or and there's a lot of people that are like, oh shit. I ain't even hear music. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, some people be like, oh shit, I didn't even know that. How he was just like, who was that black dude? How Corey was just like, that guy? Oh yeah, he was in the movie. The, the music was very striking. I just didn't know his name, yeah. asshole. Right. They come right out of the gate with the music too. That scene mm-hmm. where they're just walking and they're not talking and it's just like a slow, steady cam shot following them. And it, that's all it is, is images and score. And I think beginning. that that's when the narration should have started. I don't. I think no narration. But I'm is saying what if they're prefer. gonna have it, it should have started there, not abruptly. Like, oh, she's talking. Mm. Can we talk about when Michael Beach slapped his wife? Can we talk <laughs> about was, that scene? That, yeah, that was... he gave her the mean back slap. Ooh. First of back all, of I hand. love Anjanou Ellis. Okay. I will watch her read the ABCs. Mm, I think she's, she's extremely amazing. underrated. Yeah, she's amazing. And it kind of disappoints me that she's kind of like in the autumn of her career. And so I'm just kind of like, nah. mm, You feel that way? She's gotten older is what I mean. Okay. Um, Not that not that her career is ending. Right. I'm just saying in the season of her life, it's right. she's in autumn. Um, that was... Did y'all condone the slap? Let's start there. I, I, I'm getting there. I, I, it, was, it, was, it was uncomfortable and satisfying at the same time. Man, and I, I did no not know how to feel. <laughs> I was I like, woo! You know how that shit you said you do when people be boxing? Bro, I did it. No, no, no. I def- when, when he smacked her, I was like, woo! I definitely did it. So, <laughs> so, I was so happy, bro. So, um, <laughs> shout out to Adrian Broner and Manny Pacquiao this weekend. Um, hey. So, I when he slapped her, it was it was very satisfying that he slapped her, but because he was a man and he slapped her, it was just kind of like, oh like, shit, oh, he shit. hit his yeah. wife. So like, she said some wild shit though. She, she said some, but nobody in the room fucking flinched except for her daughters, yeah. and they didn't even really flinch. It was just, I made me think like he smacked the shit out of her before. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I figured I, he did it a lot. That's why I was kind of like, I was kind of like scared at the scene where um. I guess Fonnie and uh, Fonnie and Tisha like in the uh, in the that like I don't know what that room is called like when you meet somebody in prison oh, not at the, the end but just room. The, but just like the room where they have the phones or whatever and he mm. bangs the wall I was like wait does he have like a abusive streak in him or something like that well mm. it's it to answer because, your question it's yeah. a visitation room but there's a difference between jail and prison and in yeah. prison he can have conjugals and he can't have them in jail. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> hey, the more, more you know, funny. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it was like I thought 
he might have like that streak. Like he might have seen that a lot of times in his household. I think that's one of the reasons why he always wanted to stay at Tish's houses because he was around that environment where maybe his dad beat his mom a lot. So she I, was just a yeah. she was just a hateful bitch she too. Was a hateful. Yeah. And she looked and she looked down on him. And I think maybe what you're saying is that he wanted to be around their family. Mm-hmm. There was so much love in that yeah. family, yeah. and his family felt very cold. Right. His family felt where her family felt like it was full of love. His family felt like it was full of expectations and disappointment. Right. Yeah. I, On both parts, from the mother and the father. I was curious. Oh, I was curious why they never they didn't bring back the mother after they left. I guess that bitch? all that negative. <laughs> she, energy. Didn't, well, she, I, didn't, she wasn't. So so everyone else in this situation was conspiring for the success yeah. of the of the baby, and she wasn't on board yeah. with that. So why did we need to see her? I again? don't know. It's just it, you know something of that magnitude. I just would have thought structurally, you, you would have had a reason to bring her back. I, get, I didn't mind it. I get what you're saying. You know, it's like right. it was a big moment. So I here's mean, the thing: you yellow dress. I, I think <laughs> if, I think if there was another director, we would have. Yeah. Or if it was, you know, if it, or, or if this. You know, obviously, I I haven't read the source material, so I don't know. But yeah, I feel like another director would have. I didn't need to see her again, and this is why. I think from a from a film structure perspective, you would expect that, but I think in reality, I would not expect that. And here's the reason: she showed her ass, and she was like, "I don't fuck with this situation." So the only reason that she would need to show back up again is to antagonize them, and they basically was like, "Don't fuck with us. We're gonna kick your ass." So she she and she was like. It proved in that moment she couldn't stand up to her husband after he smacked her. Cause, yeah. You know, he slapped her, but like it's not like he knocked her ass out. And she was... She, she kinda, played it up like that. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I mean, he's... Like, oh, her nose didn't bleed enough. But he, after he smacked her, she she went into like whatever, you know, experience she was having that I don't know how many times she's been hit by her husband, to be fair. But like... It, she she didn't stand up to him. She clearly is not a fighter. Yeah. So when those other women were like, don't fuck with us either, she didn't want none of that. I, I grouped it into, you know, my interpretation of the movie is kind of a percep- perception film and that, you know, the, she, the, the two main characters are, have now shut her out mm-hmm. and they've turned their back on her. So, and, and that isolates them and, and there's no need to bring her back. Yeah. So I just thought it was, it was just something that stood out to me, right. and uh, you know, and other. You're right. In other movies, other directors, you'd be like, yeah, Probably she would have, she would have came back. They would have had another argument right. or some form of thing happen again. Right. So, um, well, I figured it was like because in Moonlight, he talked about how um, with Mahershala Ali's character, mm-hmm. he's gone after the first third of the movie. Yeah. And the idea was like he was like people enter your life and leave your life at different times. They don't always mm-hmm. come back. Some people go to different places. Some people die. Some people. Just leave your life, and you just gotta move on and live without them. But I, I like no the way point. he does that because it's it's more realistic, and then it's mm-hmm. also like more subtle. Yeah, it, it, it's not it's not dramatic. Like even I was surprised in Moonshine when um where's my head at? You know, because I was like he's he was a big character. And it's yeah. like he's just gone. Like he's just he literally left the void too. When he yeah, left. he did. You yeah, but so? I, but that was the. I, I oh yeah, him to come but back he, so bad. Yeah, he. I, I was missing him watching the movie. Yes, but in terms of of, um, Juan Juan's purpose in Chiron's life, he served it. Oh yeah, of course. He of taught course. him. He taught. He literally taught him how to survive. He taught him how to swim. Yeah, it's just it's not traditional, which is fine. It's just it. It does raise. I, I feel it's purposeful, yeah. and I like the way he does it, mm-hmm. it because it doesn't. It Agreed. it feels like you've thought this through, 
And it's it's different because we we don't see that a lot. But I'm I, I like it. I like being yeah. uncomfortable. I think when with other this. characters disappear in movies, it feels thoughtless. And and this did not. This felt very thoughtful. It didn't seem careless. Like, well, we're just we don't we're not going to bring her back. Like, you understand why she's not there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm let me go back to something y'all said. I don't feel like that was repetitive behavior of Michael Beach's character. I don't I don't feel like he was physically abusive to her at all. And I I feel like that's. The, First of all, I don't feel like that because I don't feel like the type of personality she she is. I don't feel like she would have kept fighting with him in that way, like verbally mm-hmm. putting him down in that way. She had already been struck before for something of a similar magnitude. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Be, because mm-hmm. because she wasn't with the smoke. We saw that as soon as she got hit. It, it was dramatic time. It was the reaction. Like, I don't feel like that. I feel like that was a thing. I feel like that happened because. He just had it had bottled up inside yeah, of him. And it's like when you're doing it in front of mixed company, you know what I'm saying? You're doing it. I, I feel like it was served in protection of his dog or of his son. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And of, of of this being like, yo, you're you are the only force that is fucking against this shit. And we don't need that. I don't need your negativity. And take that. Take that I, shit the fuck out see, of here. See, I think that I don't know. I read that scene totally differently. I think that's how that character feels about that situation. But then, I, to me, as soon as he gets up and slaps her, I felt like, oh, no. Like, now I can't side with this guy. Um, really? Okay. So, okay. I, I think that there there was a lot of back and forth between them, and they were kind of bickering in that moment. So I don't think that he was backing down from her or that they were backing down from arguments. What I hear what you're saying, uh-huh. but the way that his daughter reacted to that is not... I mean, as far as I know, my parents have never had a fist fight. Right. And if I saw my my dad slap my mom for the first time, I there's no way I could be that chill about it. Like mm-hmm. I would have had a much bigger reaction if that was something that I saw for the yeah, first time I mean, as a, a grown point. woman. That, you understand what I'm saying? That's a point. That's um, a point. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I don't feel one way or the other. I think it's possible that they fist fought, and I think it's possible that they didn't. Yeah. I but. Like I said, I just thinking about myself, and obviously I'm not in these characters' headspace. And I think it's a different time. I think, I think in the '60s, you could probably slap your wife like she's one of your children, and it's not a big deal. I, I read the scene as purposefully trying to make you feel like uncomfortable with the violence against women. I don't like because the Tish's dad, you know, he's he's upset when that happens, mm-hmm. and he's trying to intervene in the situation. And Regina King is like, okay, no, you go handle him. I'll handle this. Like, they're not like, well, you know, she was running her mouth, so I get it. Um, but they also didn't jump down his throat. Yeah, no, they didn't nobody reacted. Yeah, I they think they, I think, I think they felt how I felt. It was satisfying for her to be to get her comeuppance, but it was also uncomfortable because it's kind of like, oh, not like that though. Right. So I, I don't, <laughs> I don't read, I don't read the film that way. But I, I understand what you're saying. If you feel like the film is trying to get you to feel some sort of uh, catharsis at her getting slapped, is that a problematic thing? In That's why era? I said it was uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. See, I, but I think if you if you project that intention onto Barry Jenkins as a director, that he was trying to make you feel uncomfortable about it, I think that solves that problem. And that's immediately how I read it, is that, yeah, this is a thing that happens. Yeah, she's a horrible character, but I don't feel good 
I just feel sad for these families right now. I feel you don't sad feel good about a man slapping his wife. Yeah. yeah, right. But there's a lot. I think there's a lot going on, and I think it's done very purposeful. It's purposely void of repercussion and justification, mm-hmm. and and you know, like it's like you're right. Like she really said some really terrible things. Mm-hmm. He hit her, which is kind of terrible too. And then it's like, then it just leaves it. And it's like, here, have fun with that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I'll deal with this. Yeah, you as an well, audience, like, like, have fun with that one. The camera yeah. focus, too, was really on his hand and her face. Right. So I didn't even realize it was him that hit her until, like, she lost back. Because I, I was like, yes. And I was like, oh, shit, no, it was him. Right, <laughs> so, right. I mean. So, uh, I just out of curiosity, and this is a question for you, Chandler. If that was a man and he slapped another man, would you feel any sort of, like, contention about it? I mean, that's a tough question you're asking. I think that I, if it's the same exact scene, mm-hmm. if it's a, a couple, if it's two men romantically involved where one is dominant over the other. Right. Yeah, I don't feel good. It still makes me feel it still bad. still makes you feel bad? I think. Because it's domestic violence? Exactly. I think that's troublesome no matter what. But I think the fact that this is a period piece, this is about the black experience. This is about the lower class experience in New York at a certain time. I think it's trying to portray something that a lot of people, especially people of a certain age, mm-hmm. would remember very closely. So here's the thing. And and like my stance on this is the bitch deserved it. That's my stance on this completely. And I, I and I don't and I don't say that feeling like I can I condone. I don't feel like that was like domestic violence. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that was. It definitely like, was. I mean, it was because they're married. But I, I feel like I feel like this is a weird thing, right? She disrespected the fuck out of him. Yeah, and and I'm not. And this is and not everybody about like, else. Yeah, yeah. This is not like a woman disrespect. I'm not. This is not like yo a woman disrespected a man. This is like she was just hella disrespectful. The same way t- uh, Tiana Paris's character was like like basically got verbally violent to let them know I'll take it a certain way if you ever disrespect my sister again. Mm-hmm. I put it in that category. Yeah. Like you can't there's a lot of shit people are very disrespectful a lot of times and it's like and 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 things get hidden. I feel like things get stuffed under that umbrella like yo you you shouldn't hit a woman or you shouldn't hit a man with glasses or whatever the case may be. I feel like shit gets stuffed underneath that umbrella. Mm-hmm. But people are very disrespectful and they're dis and they and I feel like she was strategically disrespectful in that particular case too. Like I got a thing like that too, man. Like you know, I've been in instances where I feel like somebody was showing out because of the the company or the situation they were in and I've gone out of my way to let them know I don't give a fuck where we're at. It'll go down. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care about that because I feel like you're using this as like a form of protection Mm -hmm. to say whatever the fuck you want to say to me. Because we're in front of people. Because we're in front of people. I slap you in front of everybody. Let me have a, let me ask you guys this because I, I, this changes it for me. Well, I'll ask you Chandler, would it have made you uncomfortable if Regina King slapped her? Um, less so. I, I think, Okay. We're talking about very loaded imagery here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the wife is 100% doing what you're saying, Treasy, where she thinks that she's in the safe space because they're with people. company mm-hmm. and she can say whatever she wants. I don't think you're supposed to side with her. Right. But I think the loaded imagery of a man backhand slapping a woman. I mean, we cut to a close up of his hand 
in the backhand position. It was good form. Yeah, good weight on the elbow. I think that is like gravity take it take it forward. Exactly. I mean that is something that's very prominent in pop culture. Um in aspect like rap music from like the early two thousands. You know, you talk about pimp or bitch slapping somebody. Uh usually another man, but yes. I think that is I think to me, the visual language is very clear that we are not supposed to side with either of them at that point. I think if I'm Barry Jenkins, I'm trying to get the audience back into sympathizing with uh, Tisha's family. So maybe it's not Barry Jenkins. I I haven't read the source I was material, curious about the, but did, if did it's, the slap occur in the source? Yeah, and if the, if the slap occurs in the source material, you cannot finish that scene without it. But that the mise en scene there, like I'm I'm saying, the way that those visuals are cut together, the way that we see characters' reactions, to me, you're talking about directorial choices. Yes. It was done on on purpose. Yeah. It's very purpose to. I think the, it, to force it us perfect, to have this It was purposely augmented. Yeah. If it was in the source material, yeah. it was purposely augmented to make us feel a certain you, way. You could shoot that scene a different way and have the audience feel uh, that they're siding with uh, Fonny's dad. I right. think I think it's important, too, that it's, that it's Fonny's dad hitting his wife because there's a juxtaposition there. Like I said, one family is full of love and the other one is full of expectation and disappointment. Um, I think that that slap emphasizes that, that you don't, you don't picture Tish's family interacting with each other in that way at all. They're just very, very loving. I think there's something telling too. I mean, if it was Regina King that slapped her, it would feel different. I mean, because they're both women, it wouldn't have the same connotation. It just Mm -hmm. wouldn't. Um, the scene can't go on that way, though. She can't continue to sit no, there and, and no, talk. No, I'm not criticizing but, but yeah. the movie. I no, think no, no, it's I know fine. that, but I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm thinking about what I asked you. The scene would not be able to finish the same way. Right, Regina and I'm not saying it. it should either. I think it's mm-hmm. fine the way it is, but I think there's a point deliberately made by the way that she, with words, gets that woman out of the house. Yeah. She threatens violence, as a lot of us do at some point in our lives, but she's just trying to get that woman out of the house. Mm. And she's not picking up the uh, old bottle of Hennessy, which was great set design, by the way. That's on the table. She's not picking up Very that bottle, bottle and beating her over the head with it. Right. She's saying, you know, don't don't come at my daughter like this. This is your grandchild. Get out of here. We don't need this energy. Maybe that was a a way of showing how all these people deal with things, too. Mm. I, know, I totally like, think so. So it's like in that scene, you get to see everyone react you get to see everyone That's handle something so you see the mom you see both moms you see both dads you see the kids all their form of reaction to love and stress and all that so maybe maybe that's what it was for and it it's very to telling show you their character yeah, yeah. that like she did some dis- disrespectful ass shit and the only way he knew how to deal with that was to be potentially disrespectful as shit. Like, so maybe that's what it's trying maybe, to show you maybe how is everyone's going to handle themselves. I inferred that part of the way that she is that way toward him, so mm-hmm. contemptful and hateful. The way they were talking it, to each it, other, yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, I I infer like a long history of domestic violence there. And let's and let's get let's further something else. That is a form of domestic violence. That is psychological abuse. You know it's what I'm emotional. saying? It's, yeah, yeah, it's emotional. I would say abuse. it's abusive. It's not domestic violence. It is. I mean, it, emotional abuse can yeah, be a form of violence. That's, yes, that's violence. And I, and I and 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 that's that's to me the part that gets that gets lost sometimes. You know, and and it's not a, a point to justify anything, 
but like people use the weapons that they have. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And like, you know, uh some people are just sharp with their tongue and they use that and they use that in a very, you know, in a very strategic way. Poignant manner, man. And it's like, you know, and some people just use brute force and that's how they combat it. You know, so the whole like I you know, I'm a guy that believes in universal law. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the freedom of speech, but every action has an equal or opposite reaction. So you have the right to say what the fuck you want to, but universal law is going to straighten that shit the fuck out. Yo, when you put, when you banged your hand on the table, like, it made the mic fall over, and I kind of was like, oh. <laughs> like, I got like, shook. Yo, I got shook. Like, my mic fell over. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I don't, you mean, were really, I don't mean to incite fear. You. Listen, man, I told you, you've hurt me. So, you, in, your, in your psychological warfare against me. Corey's going to slap the shit out of me on episode 45, yo. But yeah, man. Now that's my thought about that, man. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of violence at all, you know, with people. But I, I feel like there's some people in the world that haven't been punched in their mouth, and that's why they talk to people a certain way that they talk to them. And and this is really in this particular case, that's the that's the least of you of what could really happen to you, you know, because some people are really crazy and will fucking kill you. And if you embarrass the disrespect, them, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. So this is the you saw what happened to o, the beginning of menace of society. You know what I'm saying. I feel sorry for your mother. She got her fucking head blown off. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's people that are really take it to the max, and I think some people live in this bubble that it does that those rules don't apply to them, but they absolutely fucking do in the real world. You know what I'm saying? So these these little this is a little knuckle sandwich. And it's always the people who go, happen. I don't believe in violence, who will say the most fucked and up shit the, to you. Yo, the most fucked up. shit. I don't believe in violence. I'm above it, and I'm like, that's cool, but I believe in these hands, so up, you might want to shut the hell up. Yeah, straight up, man. I know we we went a long time on that particular topic, um, um, Martin. I I really would like to get your viewpoint about it before we get off of it. But. Um, I guess with the mother, I think like you were saying, she felt like she was in a safe space because she was in company. I think it was more of a thing she felt she was a safe in a safe space because she was a holy roller because she was like someone who was very embedded in in like the culture of the black church, I think she, so a lot, I know a lot of people like that. Cause I, of course I went to church for a long time. Right. A lot of people who can say really horrible stuff to you and feel like they're justified because of their religion. They stand on their Bible and they're evil and antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, that goes back to, um, you know, something that is a reoccurring theme in my interactions with people. She seemed like the person, the type of person where her identity informed whether or not she thought she was a good person instead of her behavior informing that. Mm. It's saying I'm I I'm a religious person who goes to church and therefore I'm good. It's not how I'm treating people. It's not my behavior that informs whether informs me whether or not I'm good. It's me me telling myself I am based on this personal characteristic. Right. That's a very good point too. I, I I did forget that they were like hella high on a Christian horse. Mm. And um yeah. And side note like I was really glad to see Tiana Paris because that's one of my favorite actresses to watch. Man, you, look, we all like her for the same reason. She's a good actress, but she fine as she shit. She fine as <laughs> shit, man. That's I'm really sorry. It. Them plaid pants was a smart wardrobe move, man, because that's all I kept looking at. I'm she, sorry to be chauvinistic. I, whatever. I'll, I'll look, too. Yeah, so let's see. So like, violence against women is cool. Tight plaid <laughs> pants are cool. <laughs> you can put me in a box, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, man. no. I'll take it. You know what, though? Like, a lot of people wouldn't have said what they what you just said for fear of getting backlash. But I appreciate your authenticity in that moment, whether or not I agree with you. I, sure. I appreciate you standing in your, in your feelings. Uh, let's talk. Just real quickly before we get out of here, man. Let's talk high points, low points. 
Um, any, anything stuck out to you guys as, as like the pinnacle of this film for you? I got something. Uh, that last scene when, uh, you know, we flash forward and uh, Tish and Fani have a child and it's a visitation in the prison. Um, he has a haircut and the beard is trimmed and it looks much better. Uh, <laughs> yo, can we talk about the casting of that kid and how he looks? It looked just, just like him. him. I was like, is that his I son? Like, that shit is crazy. Yo, they scoured the earth for that young man. Uh, he looked just like Stephen James, man. That was amazing mm-hmm. casting. Um, was that really your point? That was my point. You really did that? Yeah, I mean, I, the beard bothered me the whole movie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, finally this man gets a lineup because he's locked up. Wow. But that's wow. that's great. Well, I think that time had passed and the aesthetic of what is is uh, an appropriate facial hair presentation yeah. may have changed. I, I am being facetious, by the way, I, I as know. I often am. I know. We, we get your jokes and we love them. That's why you're here. Oh, <laughs> guys. Any, any other high points for anybody um, in this film? I guess what I loved about this movie is that, like, with a lot of these movies, um, I guess dealing with criminal justice system, which is bad shit happening to black people, right? Like, they make a point to show, like, the trauma. They make a point to show, like, the violence against black people. And he's like, I'm not interested in that at all. Like, you don't see... Like when you when you're watching uh Brian Tyree Henry, you're caught in the back of your mind. You're like, yo, the police are about to bust through this door and take him, because you know that's, I guess that night is the night or whatever when he gets taken right. by the police. So you don't see him like get beat up in jail. You don't see the woman, I guess, the Puerto Rican woman get raped. Like there's a lot of trauma that you don't see that is kind of like on the edges because he wants to focus on love. So when you do see something like really affecting, I guess like when Regina King goes to uh, Puerto Rico and she talks to the woman and she just like breaks down, it's just like so hard to watch. Mm. And I, I guess that's what I really loved about it because a, a lot of other directors like probably Spike, probably definitely like Lee Daniels and uh, Tyler Perry or whatever, they're going to show you like the trauma. They're going to show you like people being abused. They're going to show you like violence and stuff like that. Yeah. So really, then that's, that's kind of like a horror movie thing where it's like, is that's a very easy road to like get your emotions going to get to get a response out of you. Where here it's like it's all on the edges and it's no, I'm just really focused on this love. So that's that's what I loved about this movie. I, I, you know, Good taking point. it back to, to to your point, taking it back to Spielberg. I think that it's much scarier when you don't see it because, like in my mind, when Brian Tyree Hearing was talking about all the things that happened to him without saying what they were, I just imagine like worst possible scenario yeah. that he's being raped or yeah. like just being really physically abused or starved or like what could have happened to him that left him this way. It was the look in his eyes. He was like, they dogs, man. They dogs. Yo, I'm going to tell you what that scene made me feel like. Remember that Apocalypse Now when Marlon Brando was like, the horror. He just kept on saying like the horror. Mm -hmm. Like that shit made it, yo, that shit was like the summation. You know, that, that, that portion of it in Apocalypse Now, that was to make you feel like, you know, about this whole Vietnam experience. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, this shit is fucking, it's indescribable. All I can say is the horror mm-hmm. of this place to really give you this something. Because there's no, it's so fucking evil. There's no words in my vocabulary to really express this. Yeah, mm-hmm. articulate it, yeah. In detail. You know, yeah. that's how that scene made me feel. And, and, and I feel like people that I know that have been locked up, when they kind of talk about it and stuff like that, they kind of talk about it the same way. Where it's like they can't it's really talk cryptic. about it, but it's something in there. And it's like, you don't want to go there. Yeah, it's like, I'm straight. Mm-hmm. I'm straight. Mm-hmm. I'm hella cryptic. Oh, so I know. Right. One of my favorite uh, podcasts is called Air Hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a podcast about these uh, prisoners in San Quentin. I guess they do a different topic every week. 
But it, it's just a great podcast because um, you kind of forget about people in prison a lot of times. Like you don't really think about them. And there's these full-fledged human beings who might have made mistakes, who might regret what they're doing or who are just doing their time. And they like have interesting stories and they're like total. Then they have to survive in this horrible environment mm-hmm. at the same time. And of course, it's all like uh, it's all approved by like the. I guess the warden or I guess whoever their like PR person is. So yeah. they don't really put the crazy people on, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, right. but it's still, it's still like a great podcast to listen to. And it's probably one of my favorites of the last year. What is it called again? Ear hustle. Ear hustle. Yeah. Fun fact, me and Treasy went to prison. A little bit. Did some Fine. filming in prison. They clowned the shit out of me. Yeah, they Yo, they had jokes. For, if we wasn't in prison, nigga, I had to like, I had to like, I wanted to joke back with niggas, but I was like, man, we are in like a, like, like niggas, they are here for murder. Some of these oh, guys, shit. and they was, they was cracking jokes and I was just like, I just had to take it. Mm-hmm. I was like, motherfuckers, boy, <laughs> you motherfuckers. Motherfucker, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember, nobody wanted to wear the Beats by Dre because that, the headphones, yeah. that was instant commentary. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it was too. I was, I was wearing the Beats by Dre as they was talking shit. Damn. Were you interviewing them or were they just... We did a project that actually was about the rehabilitation programs that are offered in maybe four or five mm-hmm. prisons. They're yeah. offered in prisons in the state of Virginia. Yeah. Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, just the programs that you can do. Uh, you know, There's programs you can get education, you can get certified, you can do things that help you... Get reintroduced. Yeah, and reintroduced to society type okay. stuff. Yeah. So we interviewed a bunch of people, all the people involved. We went to four or five prisons. Mm-hmm. Went to a women's prison. Yeah. So it was uh, yeah. very eye-opening, I would say. Very, very eye-opening. Boy, there was a joint in that women's prison. I was like, <laughs> you remember how they had like the, uh, they, they got Felon Bay? Mm-hmm. For all the women where they had like that good looking dude fell in bed. Like, yeah. And the women was like, Oh, he could commit a crime on me or I was whatever. There was a there was a woman inside that woman's prison. It was like felon bay, fam. I was like, man, I don't know what she did. Yeah. I'm sure it's a forgivable act. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. You are such a fucking twelve year old. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But it, Corey felt the same way too. Oh yeah, yes. oh yeah. He didn't, he didn't bring oh, it up. Yeah. You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I might still got that screenshot somewhere around. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but she, you know, it was it was very eye opening because it wasn't uh, maximum security. So I thought all prisons were like. You know, we're locked in a cage for 23 hours. Like, this was like walking around a high school. Yeah. Depends like, on what you do. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, well, actually, no. In the, in these particular prisons, because they weren't maximum security, uh, it's based on your behavior and your crime. Yeah. Mm. So, in this particular, there there's nobody that's, like, locked in a cage anywhere. Oh. Um, I mean, if you get in trouble, I'm assuming there's a place and for you. And yeah, they can send you somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, they'll send they you somewhere. But everybody in there, um, there were people in there for life. No, um, I'm talking about they didn't yeah. take us to solitary. Yeah, they didn't take. There was no solitary confinement, but it was no. They didn't take us there. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm uh, I mean, we'd be sitting here doing this podcast, and there'd be prisoners walking around the room. Yeah, it's like, like a dormitory. Yeah, man. it was just like a. This is that. Honestly, that was the when we did that project. That's what made. That's what really opened my eyes to like, yo, know, this shit is in is connected to the public schools because the hallways of the prisons look just like Bethel's hallways. Uh-huh. Wow. Like just the 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 eggshell cinder block. Uh-huh. The 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 double doors that open like the whole shit. Like the way uh-huh. the lunch ladies look. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole <laughs> shit just yo, it's just like man, they they 
like they they're trying to get you familiar with certain the types of imagery. The bells ring in, and yeah. and they could do they could do well. They do here they do in the fucking eyes. Yeah, they had man. classes. I mean, you you could do what you wanted essentially. Which mm-hmm. you're on a schedule. No, no, not necessarily. If you chose, so it looked you, like Orange is the New Black. Then is what you're saying? Uh a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I didn't really watch I, maybe. I mean, one. it was just eye opening because you you could go do stuff or you can just do nothing. Like it's up to you. And you can sit outside and sit on a bench all day long if you wanted to. I mean, obviously at night you do need to go back to your yeah. your place of residence. <laughs> but uh, like, I mean, we we would literally be in the hallways and you there's just prisoners come up to you and be like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" Yeah. And there's playing the, board games. Yeah, like niggas getting haircuts. Uh, just because they watch TV. And yeah, stuff, there was like a there was a community room that had it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, but anyway. It's on subject, but that was off subject. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, you're good. Any more high points or low points? I just points? think mm-hmm. that the, this is a beautifully shot film. This, yeah, it was. This, this this film is very like visually pleasing. Yeah. Low point uh, pace. I think it was came in around two hours and fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. I think we could have got it down to two. Yeah. Like there were a couple scenes I was like. All righty, like, well, uh, come on. The nonlinear storytelling yeah. also, I, I wouldn't say that it's a low because I don't think that it necessarily, well, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. They were just, it made me, the nonlinear storytelling made me feel like I was going to see things that I didn't end up mm-hmm. seeing. Yeah. So that, in and of itself, it wasn't a bad thing because it did, I never got lost in it, but it was, and I never, I never was questioning where we were in time. Yeah. My first cut I would have made would have been the James Bond sequence where she goes to, what is it, Puerto Rico? Yeah, oh, I was, yeah. that was the only thing that felt out of that, place to me. It, did, it yeah. feels weird, too, because the movie's not from her point of view. And then that's a very point of view sequence. Yeah. It's a good sequence. It's fun. She has a great outfit on. But, yeah, it didn't feel of a whole with the rest of the film. Well, then, well, I mean, point of view you see mostly from Tish, but you also see the father. You also, that conversation between Stephen James and Brian Tyree Henry Tish is a present for that. Yeah, that's kind of It's true. just, I would just say it's a very long sequence of. Yeah. yeah, I mean, certainly we have, you know, times when the movie cuts around at different people's point of view. That, that's true. I may, and I think but the that conversation really that she long, had though. with um, who, whoever the guy was she met in the restaurant, the thing with the wig was weird. Yeah. And I didn't need that. And I mm. think. That's what I mean. It's like some scenes were just like, oh, okay. Well, but that was saying something, right? No, I got it. it. She felt like she needed to be somebody else in that moment, and then she decided being herself was the best option. Mm -hmm. But then she ended up putting the wig back with the wig on. on. Yeah, Yeah. but she put, yeah. That's what I didn't. But she didn't. She didn't (laughs) succeed though. Yeah. Well, I think she just knew I have one shot at this, and it's like. I don't want to fuck it up, so what should I do? I think mm. that's what the whole wig scene was about. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know if she wanted to present herself as herself or maybe try to assimilate into her culture. One thing I thought was a low point. Uh, the last time you see, I think, the dads is when they're stealing things. I think that's the last oh. time you see them in the film. I, I mean, they steal them, but they're not stealing, stealing. Like, there's levels to this, which I get. Yeah, I mean, it, because it, it, because yeah. the thing is, if I think that you broke into somebody's house mm-hmm. and you and you you know took something out of somebody's home, like I'm mm-hmm. not buying that from you. But you know, if well, it, it fell off a truck from a business that has know. insurance and you come by the bar, you know, the well, I just salon, no, it wasn't about. It's just like you, you know, you have some things. I might buy it from you. I just thought they would get. I mean, I get what Barry Barry Jenkins will just 
clear character out of a movie, it seems like, at any given notice. But I, I it was kind of like, damn, well, the last time I saw you, you were stealing something. I yeah. thought he could have got a better exit than that. But I, I thought I especially it. Tish's dad like was my favorite character in the beginning of the film. Yeah. And yeah, he kind of just... Uh, dwindled out. But that's, yeah. I, I've seen it because I mean, in a weird way, he does it with Fonzie too. Like, hey, uh, Fonzie, hey. yeah, wow, yeah, Bonnie. Yo, I fucked up all sorts of shit tonight. Um, you know, it's like once he goes to to prison or jail. He was in jail at first. It's like it, it, that that reinforcing that perspectiveness to it. Right. It's like he's like that scene where he you can tell he's been beaten up. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. could tell. Like when I when he got up to walk away, I was like. It would not shock me. That's the last time I see him in this movie. Right. Like that's I was the, fearful of that. That's the walk away. Yeah. Because he was broken. Yeah. And it's like, but I mean, like, I mean, we see him again in the end. But I, I bet in my money, I was like, he's he's gone. He's yeah. a goner. So I would say a high point is uh, the small bit parts from other actors. We were talking about this off mic a little bit, but uh, Pedro Pascal shows up. Diego Luna, Dave Franco, uh, Ed Screen plays the mm-hmm. the cop. Which yeah. I didn't even recognize yeah. him. I think they yeah. put a lot of prosthetics on him. Yeah, I didn't recognize him at all. What else has he been in? Because I've seen his face before. He was in Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, he's also. Okay. Yes. Okay. He's in Game of Thrones for a minute. Um, yeah. Darn he was yeah. in Deadpool, yeah. but in that moment, he reminded me of the bad cop from Black Klansman. Yeah. Mm, yeah. All, all racist cops look like the cop in this movie, man. <laughs> yeah. they, they they get the stash, they get a little I, skinny. Yeah. I, like, I would say, like, it was kind of a cartoony costume yeah, they yeah. put him in. But you know I, the uh, the moment with Diego Luna in the restaurant like really touched me. I just thought that was so special. You know that this is you can just infer so much history about this other guy who Fani is friends with, and there's very little of it shown on screen. But it's the subtlety with which these moments are portrayed that allows you to project so much of your own experience onto them. Very good. Point. How do you how do you feel about like okay Pedro Pascal is I mean he's he's. I wouldn't call him an A-lister. He's a good B. He's a B minus, B plus. Mm-hmm. Like, he has like no screen time. And it's kind of like, yeah. would you prefer to have someone else in that role to give them an opportunity? I think d- people were really wanting to work with Barry Jenkins. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt like, eh, who wants to work with well, Barry? Like, come on down. Well, you, you, like, you have to think about. You. Barry Jenkins, Brad Pitt, Megan Ellison. Yeah, I yeah. mean, this was like. Behind the camera was just a star-studded. And not, not only that, you have to think about as a person who's who's not African-American, when his stories are really centered on African-Americans mm-hmm. to this point, are you going to have that opportunity again? Right. So would you rather have the, the the little two, three minutes of screen time or never, ever get the opportunity? Right. It was just kind of interesting because, you know, I mean, Pedro's not, I didn't even know he was in the damn movie. Like, you know, I didn't know Diego was in Yeah, and Diego out of nowhere. Or, and, or Dave. Like, so I mean, because yeah, it's not, Dave, you know, the stories about black people. So they don't need to sell you on the people who are not. No, black I'm not saying they need to at all. But what I'm saying is, like, those are relatively big stars. And I'm like, for all of three minutes of screen time, I'm telling well, you, they just he, they wanted to be with Barry. I know they said, did. But. He said he designed it that way. Like, every yeah. 30 minutes, he wanted like a new, not necessarily a new cameo, but a new dope actor mm-hmm. that you wouldn't okay. think would be in this to show up. Interesting. Well, I wonder why, though. I mean, I just think well, that he said a, a lot of them wanted to work with him. Mm-hmm. And he just, I don't know, he just wanted to keep the film going, like mm-hmm. kind of wake you up unless you, in case you would just get into That's really interesting because, you know, I mean, I'm not mad at it. I mean, Pedro, if, cool, you, you got a famous person to be in your movie. Great. But like, I mean, there's a, a little tiny part of me that's like, man, you know, give that to a new actor. Give that to somebody who, so, you know. You know it's a weird flex, but whatever. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. It's just, you know, I mean, these are really big stars in there and it's very little screen time, you know, but I mean, 
did a great job. Listen, I mean, Tiana I, the, killed the, it with like five minutes of screen. screen. She, yeah, yeah. Yeah. she she did, but okay. I feel like he's pulling an Eddie Murphy where the movie is really, really, it's about black people, right? In, 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 in a much more obvious way than the way he did it in Boomerang. And all these people who are not black are not the focus. So it's kind of like, I don't, does it matter? But it does matter. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I, I've been just proposing it. It wasn't like I'm against this. It was just like it's it's, it's shocking to you, is what it sounds like. A Not so bit. much that you have a, a negative or a positive yeah. I don't have a negative about positive about thing. But cool. I like I like Diego. I like Pedro. It, it was just like that's a lot of star power for two minutes. It's a flex. It's yeah. a, it's a flex, yeah. but like yeah. I think it's a, it's a purposeful flex yeah. too. I I like it. I mean, to me, it felt like. I just like seeing these actors in movies, man. I mean, I was just, just like, oh, cool. No, I, I do too. It's just something to think about. You know just something I, that came in the back of my head. You know what scene just popped back into my head that I felt like was very profound? without, And it said so much without saying something. Was the scene where she talked about working at the perfume counter and how, how black that. people... Were respective of her personal, respectful of her personal space, mm. and they didn't feel like entitled to touch her. Mm-hmm. And um, how she said that a, a white man felt like he he had to touch her. Like, right? I in a weird in a weird way maybe interpret that scene a little differently because it, the way they showed the black man in that scene who wouldn't touch her hand, it came across to me as like I. I, I don't want to touch your hand. Like I, this is kind of beneath me or maybe I'm too, I'm too good to touch your hand. It, I, it didn't come across as respect in my It opinion. definitely did to me. It did? Okay. And I don't know if that's cause I'm black and a woman, but I think, I think that there are ways that we interact with each other where it's just kind of like, I can acknowledge you. I can acknowledge what your position is, but there's boundaries. And, the, and it's a thing. Personal space is one mm-hmm. of those things. Solange wrote a whole song about not yeah. touching my hair and it's kind of like well, I feel like I can reach out, reach out and touch you because like I'm not even thinking about how you're mm-hmm. experiencing this or whether or not you want to be touched mm-hmm. and I think that's like a that's like a cultural boundary that we have I don't I don't touch people like I just don't and and some people feel like they strangers feel like they can do that to you and I'm not going to put that on white people but that is a cultural thing I'd say well I, I guess the reason why too because I think the way she set the Barry set that scene up, the guys came across as slime balls. And so I didn't separate it. I said the the black guy and the white guy are slime balls. They're just doing it in a different way. So that's why I didn't feel like he was being a slime ball. I think I think it was an entitlement. So here's here's the thing. I, I agree with both of you guys. I agree that there was she made a clear difference distinction between the way white women do it, the way black men do it and the way white men do it. I didn't, I didn't, when I saw it, I didn't look at it as respect. I just looked at it like it was There's a boundary. I, see, I just looked at it as, I, I, the only one that I looked at and gave like a definite definition to was when the white man did. I was like, oh, this is like entitlement property sort of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but like the, I didn't really understand what she was saying about the old white women. And I really didn't understand what she was saying about the black male. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, I didn't know, I didn't know what the intentions were with those two statements. But I felt like the intentions were because she's 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 Barry started with the black woman in the edit. Oh, and they said, yeah, they just walk right past him, right? They don't they, they stop yeah. it. they stop and talk to the white women. They don't mm-hmm. stop and talk like black yeah. women don't talk to black women. Mm-hmm. 
they they go straight to the white women, and then the white woman will come to the black girl and will smell it off her hand. The black men will come and talk to the black woman, but he smells it off his hand, and then the old white or the white men would felt entitled to touch to, her. Right, that was the only one that I that I felt confident in the statement. Yeah, because they just, were trying to just, make. I don't know. It was his facial. It could have been his facial expressions, the way he came to the table. It, it, it wasn't. I, I didn't look up. at his respect. I, I I don't know what it was. It it was just, well, it was two different black men you were seeing. It wasn't the same one. The one that walked by. But no, I'm, her. well, I'm talking about. I am talking about the one that did the spray with the smell. Like his face, it didn't look like he was respect respectful. Well, it just looked like 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 almost scared to touch her. Like it was just like I, I didn't get respect. I just got. There I was felt a like there was a boundary. Whatever, what that boundary? Whatever was the boundary implied. was, he was respecting it though. That's what I'm saying. I I, I get how you're. But why out you with don't that, touch though. someone? You know, I mean, obviously, if you if you if that's your focal point to whether to touch or not to touch, yeah. But I mean, that still could be out of a lack of respect, not touching someone. Like, yeah, it could be. Yeah, you know. like when you when you put the change. When yeah, you put, like, change, when you're yeah. paying somebody. I definitely don't table. do that. I definitely right. put change in people's hands. But yeah. I, I honestly, I it doesn't matter what color the person is. I'm still trying not to touch your hand, germs. But yeah, right. <laughs> the but, fucking money's but, dirty but, anyway. But, but they the, touch way more money than me. But the point is that like there's there's you can do something by respecting a boundary that can be disrespectful, and that's kind of one of them. Like, I think it's your energy when you do it. To be fair. That's and the, and the, and the energy. energy yeah. was kind of it yeah. felt negative at mm-hmm. first. Did it? It, 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 really it did. felt very negative because then he smells his hand and the, then he walks do away. Do y'all have an opinion on this? I, I, I also before they showed the white guy because the black guy is on screen first, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was the white like, guys left. yeah, and I was like, oh, what's the point here about this? How this black man is treating her at the counter? And then the white guy, yeah, I was like, okay, I get that. I did assume that they were trying to juxtapose those two things. But, yeah, I feel like it was kind of it did seem negative, like almost like that. I kind of read it as the the black man doesn't want to be a cliche and like give her too much attention in public. But he Mm. also has to get the attention from her because he can't approach the white woman. Sure. Yeah, it it just seemed like it was like, you know what it was? It was like it's it's her observation. Right. And Mm -hmm. like her observation has so many different it has so many different you know possibilities to that observation but i definitely didn't feel nailed down to anything else other than well the that man was her, yeah i got that but i just to me it was that's the way i walked away what i walked away with right. that there was a boundary that he was respecting and, and that and i think that's fair to come out of it with, with how did jesse and martin like what, what did y'all come um, out of that those scenes with i took it as like the 70s i guess 60s or 50s version of like the head nod it's like you ever be in a place where like is you and one other black person with a whole bunch of other people Mm, haven't you don't you don't give like the crazy head now you give like the uh like the subtle joint like i see you not 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 in in both directions i'm not gonna make it obvious and go dap up the only other black person here but i was like i see you you see me we're cool type of thing i think that's what it was i definitely did that today that was crazy that's crazy i didn't realize i did it it was just like low key it was like what's up i do that to Corey every time i come here to record that's why i love it he do it back? I yeah. bet he doesn't. Yeah. He'd be like, "Oh, it's real subtle." Corey's the type that'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> watch Chandler's looking at me." Like, <laughs> What'd you think? Justin? I definitely nice. have seen Corey um, give people the nod. Mostly, I, they're I, black people, though. Hey. He gets a point for that. I, I do what I can. I just think when the black guy when he came into the frame, he was kind of looking at her like he was undressing her with his eyes, but he didn't yeah. go to the full extent as the white dude, where he kind of treated her as property. Right. Way, so. 
And she made a, a thing to emphasize he takes this, his hand. Like, it, it, it was a lot of emphasis on him. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I couldn't ignore it. So I appreciate that moment in time, though, because mm-hmm. that's something that's like, that's interesting. It's one of those observations I would never make in real life myself. You know, yeah, it's like that nuance. But but I but it, and then I do think it's 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 interesting coming from a black woman. You know what I'm saying? Because I it's not meant for me to make that observation. Like I don't. Now, just so we're clear, I'm not saying black men never get inappropriate and fucking disrespect boundaries and touch you. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying that. Right, 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 right. Tip, typically, I've not had a had another black person. Well, yeah, that's not true. I had someone, a black woman, reach up and like grab my hair and ask me, was it real? I think she thought I was a child, though. She really was really close to getting cussed out. But but, um, but that's but again, that's what I appreciate about this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Like that's what this book, I think, or this book, this film effectively is really doing is really giving us a snapshot from a perspective that maybe we're not used to seeing, you mm-hmm. know, um, of a time period. It's a period piece, but it's just like this little slice of cake within this period. I, I can't explain what I'm trying to say, but it's just really it's putting us in the DeLorean and taking us there. And we're really getting a specific experience, you know? Yeah. And um and and uh, that's what I appreciate about the shit. Were you about to say, Channel? Quick point: the uh, the first time we see Dave Franco, it's a shot from behind him, and it's like really focused on his yarmulke. Oh, yarmulke. And uh, obviously, Diego Luna, the other like you know friend type character that we see, is Hispanic. I think, and uh, the store owner. Um, when they're like in harassed by the officer, right. I assume that she was a Jewish woman as mm. well, just being a store owner. Okay, in, mm-hmm. in New York, very racist of you, but got you guys. I did, yeah. I mean, hey, maybe she, I thought she, she was she like was, Hispanic. No, I, she I was assume. a white woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. because she she was a white woman. Okay. Her the way she was talking to the cop also. She was a white woman. <laughs> got right. you. I didn't drive. I determined she was Hispanic. That's, That's what I thought too. Yeah. But, no, she but. was a white woman. I I thought maybe Greek or Italian, but she was a white woman. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. I just she might have been Irish. Right. I mean, I could most I could. bodega owners. I, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Obviously, you'd be like, but you're but assuming this, it's a bodega. It was just a, a store. Yeah, no, for sure. That's why I was being racist. He was being racist. We all <laughs> yeah. being racist. Just I, I just because of Dave Franco. I was just saying. No, I was just saying that that's. I think that's interesting that these other like you know, quote unquote ally characters probably have their own backgrounds that they came from their own struggles that, that we've seen. And I mean, Dave Franco in the narrative of the movie is very much a white man who's given them an opportunity, but it's also a point to be like, well, maybe he has a different perspective than most white people because of the Siamaka that he wears. Right. Well, it seems like he came into it from some sort of nepotism. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, And that's why he, he could be so, you know, lenient with it I and mean, that's just kind of what i took from it. it's nothing that really said that I th- but i think that there are white people who simultaneously experience privilege and marginalization right mm-hmm. because there's intersectionality as a thing and i think some jewish people experience that i think it may be less of a thing now than it was then because it's very unpopular to be anti-semitic but at the time it was not a big deal right? i think that's a good point and so i think that maybe that's the intersection of you know, his experience and he's like, you know, I, I know what it feels like to be unwelcomed. Yeah. And he said, I dig it when people love each other. And it seemed like he wanted to promote love because maybe he knew what that felt like. Right. I, I, I can read that too. And I think like what you said about like the nepotism, I also got that feeling, but yeah, I think very young, right? Yeah. And I, but so I think there is a duality there mm-hmm. and, it's, and that's all done with just like, 
imagery. Minimal dialogue and imagery. Man, and that's why amazing. Barry Jenkins is the man. And I love no, that he didn't say it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that I love that he didn't say it and it didn't dumb him down to I'm just like you. Yeah. Yep. Because yeah. I think he recognizes I'm not just like you. Yeah. But I but I see I see you. And right. so I'm I'm going to treat you like a human being because that's what I want for myself. Right. That moment of connection that they have when they're like miming, moving the furniture <laughs> in. I mean, that was I just thought that was so sweet. It's so like this cool. thing that these young people are doing. You know, I mean, they're just m- making a connection across races. I know that I'm white. It's, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, maybe I just like white people and black people getting along. But I thought that was very effective. Man, um, I, I think that it went, it said without saying that I see your dream and I support it. Yeah, exactly. Too. And, and just just seeing that. What is this man dreaming about? You know what I'm saying? He's dream- he's dreaming about providing for his family. Mm-hmm. He's dreaming about building something as quaint as it might be for his family. That's what he dreamed about. Like I, I like that too. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it just took oh man. This and, may- film and maybe did a maybe lot, maybe, man. maybe Dave Franco's character what's his name? Like Levy. Maybe Levy in that moment of of offering this space to these people, he's giving them a chance, maybe that they may not ever have, but mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't see the opportunity he's offering them it's as being investment. as grand. As what they were seeing was yeah. what mm-hmm. Wolfani yeah. was seeing it to be. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, I just think at, he fell in love with them as a couple right. in that moment to to be like, look, look what these people want for themselves. Look what we can do together. You know, this is something this is going to be my last point before we before I, I, I wrap this up, man. There's, you know, in doing business, I feel like there's such a binary thought about business when it comes to like America, like like Americans perspective on business. It's like it has to be shrewd. It has to be profitable. It has to be all of these like negative characteristics, you know, like the the whole you can't mix friends with biz- like there's so there's so many sayings that like give business this sort of warlike quality and coldness. You know what I mean? And I, like to my experience in business is not like that. You know, there's things that you can there's there's profit. Obviously, there's monetary profit and benefit, but there is there's experiences. There's long term investments. And long-term investments are not fruitful right off the rip, man. You know what I'm saying? You're investing in something 10 years down the line, and you have to recognize it as such. And investing in humanity and doing business, you know, you know whether or not, you know, that was a big open lofty space, man. Mm-hmm. Could they really afford that? You know what I'm saying? Like, could they really afford and, that? And they had the foresight to say, we can be in this space and other people can enjoy it too. Yeah. Which is something Levy probably didn't even think about. Didn't even mm-hmm. think about. <laughs> But it's just the idea that, like, any shrewd businessman would have looked at that and questioned, can they fucking afford this shit? You know what I'm saying? And would have and would have ripped that opportunity from right underneath them, as opposed to just, like, injecting a little bit of love into the seed, you know? And you don't know what type of fruit it's going to bear, man. This, this, You know, when somebody is on a certain type of trajectory that has this much passion behind it and this much, like, positivity behind it, you just don't know what it's going to reap. And sometimes investing in those things makes sense. It's not always about the profit. But I think the know? way that people do business says more about them than it does about business itself. Agreed. Um, and just seeing your interactions in business and, and, and the way that, you know, I interact with people in business. I really want to see everybody win and everybody who's in business doesn't think that way. That's it. And and I, I feel like that's how you operate, too. It's like, I want to see everybody win. Yeah. If I can help you win, cool. If you win on your own, cool, too. But some people look at business success as a pie, that it's a limit, it's in limited supply and it becomes scarce and that they have to gobble it all up because whatever portion of it they don't get, 
um, they, it's, that somebody else gets. It's something it's that's being taken from them. From them. Oh, my God. I hate that mentality. But, yeah, it's out there. Um, so, yeah, again, another subtlety in, uh, in fairness of uh, Barry Jenkins, man. Let's do this quick fill in the blanks and then uh, – that that I know that y'all all hate, man. <laughs> that I you're in it. love with. So, but because it, we man. love you, we're gonna do it really I quick. I love it, man. So, um, Beale Street was blank, but if it would have blank, it would be blank. Uh, you don't have to pass. About to say, yeah, that's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't ready for a, a test. Blanks. Yeah, yeah. Come back to a test. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I know. It, 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 I thought you. I thought you were gonna say if Beale Street could talk, what would it say? Interesting. I wasn't. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> I was expecting that answer. Yeah, it's just kind of like a. So so for me so if uh, if Beale Street could talk, it was an amazing film. It was nothing short of perfect to me. Um. And I think if it would, if it would have. If it would have concentrated more on the story as opposed to the imagery and to the feeling, it would have just been a regular ass movie. And and that's and those are my blanks. Bill Street was beautiful and visually stimulating. But if the screenplay could have found a way to incorporate the narration into the dialogue, it would have felt less like a book. Mm. Preach. <laughs> Preach. Damn. And you kind of took mine. My bad. Yeah. Word for word? No, not word for word, because oh, okay. nobody can match Lizzie word for word. Oh. Um, <laughs> Glad you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If Beale, Beale Street was a very solid film, if it was little lighter on the narration it could have been better than moonlight hey, that was a key, that was a good remix puff daddy of the sum, take that take that <laughs> um if bill she could talk was a great ad- adaptation but if we could have uh, just switched out uh Kiki for Tiana and uh, Brian for uh, Steven. It would have been a classic. Oh, <laughs> you a hater, bro. And I feel you, though. I, I like Steven, though. I think Kiki's cool, but, man, I just like seeing Tiana on screen. I, would've, Kiki, I honestly would have. I actually would have. Was, was Drake talking about this character? No, she was talking about Kim Kardashian. I, I would have um, I, I, I would have actually cast Tiana in the lead, personally. But. I can see that. She was. She's a little older looking, though. That's what this movie showed me is that she. I can see her aging. I can see her. She didn't. She looked like she doesn't seem nineteen. No. Yeah, she does not seem. She 19. doesn't seem old either. Though I, I looked at her IMDb. She did Empire. Like that hurt my heart, man. I was like, yo, I want so much more for you. Yeah. She's working though. Don't she, don't yeah, shit on it. Yeah. Speaking of IMDb, uh, the Italian lady is listed for the the. The corner store. Hey, there were Jews in Italy, right? Uh, yeah, yes. I, I, <laughs> let the record show that I said I got Greek or Italian. Okay. Yeah, she's listed as Italian. Chan right. the man. Uh, Beale Street is, to me, a, a feel-good movie in a strange way. And I think if it was more focused on the plottier elements, like Fani being sent to prison and his whole struggle, it wouldn't have been as enjoyable to film overall. 
I think that it, the fact that it feels just like a slice of these people's lives mm-hmm. is what made me feel so immersed in the movie. Like I'm really there, like right. you were talking about earlier. And I think that's what gives a film the most value to me. Gotcha. Mm. All right. Back to me. Um, I felt like Beale Street was visual poetry that doesn't really need to change much. And I feel like it says something about um, things that were happening way back then that are still happening now. And I think it could have been a little bit shorter. (laughs) I I fucked the sentence all up. (laughs) I know. I know. It could have been a cool... 20 minutes. Or yeah, yeah cool. 20, 20 minutes. Right. Well, my favorite movie is The Godfather, so you know I'm in the length pause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, real quick, y'all see anybody? Because I know um, uh, Regina King won for a Golden Globe. Y'all see anybody else here getting something in the Oscars? Nah, not for real. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, but she did an amazing job, and I see why she got it. I Actually, think- I, I thought somebody else should have won that, but. I, I think like the favorite is kind of like the Golden State Warriors. It's like three people just killing shit and yeah. they kind of cancel each other out so they never win MVP. Right. I think that's what the favorite is. I need to watch it. I think Olivia Coleman has a shot because she'll be in lead performance. Though. Yeah. And if uh, if Rachel Vice and uh, what's her name Emma, Emma Stone, Stone, if they're yeah. both in supporting, neither of them will win. But Olivia yeah. Coleman might have Someone a shot. Someone say Emma Stone. Uh, checks in. So anyway, guys, man, hope you enjoyed Bill Street. Hope you enjoyed this Bill Street episode. Um, uh, it's worth watching, man. If you haven't seen it, it's so worth watching. It's an experience like none other, in my opinion. Um, follow Kinda Movie Critics on Instagram and Facebook at Kinda Movie Critics, C R I T I C S, uh, and on Twitter at Kinda Movie Crits, C R I T S. Um. Yeah, man, and that's about it, man. Like, share, subscribe, you know, all that fly shit, man. Keep us going in your rotation, man, and uh, go back and listen to some some of our latest episodes, some of our, you know, previous episodes. If this is your first time hearing us, man, we have these conversations, and we just enjoy having them, so we're glad that you enjoy listening to them, or we hope you enjoy listening to them. And remember, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are, and we're kind of not. We're just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.